Fox with Adam Curry for May 25th, 2021. This is episode number 63. And don't let the ominous music throw you, because we are happy to be back. It's been uh, a couple of weeks, but the streets demanded it. So here we are. I'm Adam Curry in Austin, Texas, and in Virginia, my friend on the other end, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mo Fox. How you doing, Adam? <laughs> Good, Mo. What kind of disastrous <laughs> music is this? <laughs> It's, it's some hoes in this house. <laughs> some some heavy ass hoes in this house. <laughs> what I haven't heard this version. Is this just like the? Well, this is not even a version. It's like some well, kind it's of. The, it's, the, it's the classical version. It's you got because we're gonna keep it classy today. Oh, okay. So I decided to go with the classical version of it. So wait a minute, you, um, me, we're keep this. I'm sure, a lot of people. Is this because your Mama Fax is now listening to the show that you can all of a sudden keep it classy? Is that what's going on? It, no, it's because of this topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, once you spin that wheel, okay, we're, we're going to have to keep it classy. All right, I'll crank it up right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the wheel of topics where it stops. Nobody knows. The only person who really knows is Mo, of course, because he put the show together expertly. The topic for Mo Facts with Adam Curry, episode number 63, is... It's called WAP. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah. yeah, this is right in my wheelhouse. Everyone knows WAP stands for Weird Ass Podcaster. So I'm ready for the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to talk about it. And to let everybody know, uh, this will be a two part show. Yeah. First ever. Yeah, this is uh, because this is if not, if, <laughs> this is, this is, if you know, not, it would have been a hundred <laughs> clip list. So uh, now, now, do we have a cliffhanger though? Are we going to leave him hanging at the end of the show? Is that, do we have something well, like that? They'll have to stick around to the end yeah. to figure out <laughs> and then, then they'll see how, where it goes. But we're going to, like I said, we're going to keep it classy. Can, uh, if I could, can we get a uh, warning? <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, we, oh, we already we made that right off the bat, man. I, the the machine yeah. the machine hadn't even warmed up yet. And of course, we can. Trigger warning! Trigger warning! <laughs> Trigger warning! Your attention, please. Trigger warning has been activated. Oh well, when the trigger warning has been activated, I feel good. I'm ready. And. And also, can we get a parental guidance if you have it in there? Because if nobody knows what WAP stands for, you might want to go look it up. Um, but it's not what it's going to stand for by the end of the show. I'll say that for this episode. I, I, th- um, I think it's it's fairly um, easy to say that any human being uh, over the age of 12 know, <laughs> by this knows what WAP stands for. That song and, and video was, part. yeah, it is a bit sad. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, parental guidance, I would suggest you listen to it first and then let your kids listen to it because wow. it's going, as always, we're going to handle it classy. Um, now, Mo, and, before you yes. get started, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, this is a value for value podcast. You better be listening on a value for value enabled podcast app. If not, Stop right now, go to newpodcastapps.com, get something that does value for value, and boost us during the show so we know what parts you liked. And boost a lot and boost often. Okay. And, and splash those sets. <laughs> <laughs> splash those All sets. Right. So I guess everybody's wondering why we picked this topic. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, uh, a strange topic to have <laughs> on one of our podcasts, but it's 
Picasso Maxine Waters and what she said to Megan Thee Stallion. Well, Megan Thee Stallion and Maxine Waters had a conversation for Harper's Bazaar online. And one of the things that they talked about was the song WAP. They told me to look at the was a WAP. And uh, I did. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) Here's what I said. Now, that's audacity. And that is the ability for women to take charge of what they want to say because I had paid attention to the young, you know, gangster rap uh, time when, you know, men were in charge. They said whatever they wanted to say, but women, you know, didn't say for a long time uh, what they could say or wanted to say or dared to say. Okay. Okay. Very, very yeah. important to note that WAP is the latest evolution of women expressing their sexual desires. Though Mac Maxine is an OG, she should know that. You can't forget about Salt and Pepper and TLC and Lil Kim and Foxy Brown and Trina and Gangsta Boo, Missy Elliott, you know Kaya, Nicki Minaj. Like you know, a lot of women that All express right. their sexual desires. Now, um, Megan The Stallion also was talking about protecting black women. And why is that so hard to do? They feel like it's controversial. And all I'm saying is protect black women. And, and now people are taking it like it's, I'm saying something crazy. So just to be supported by another black woman who, you know, sends the same message. I feel like, you know what? I am doing the right thing and I'm going to keep doing it because Maxine Waters said I can. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know this happened. When did when did she say this? <laughs> How and this how did I miss it? Ago. How did I? Well, <laughs> hmm. Gee, I, it was a while ago, and I filed this away because I found it to be one of the most disgusting forms of pandering and commoditizing human beings um, ever in politics. Uh, hence, it's going to have a two-part show made about it. Um, man, but Maxine Waters—that—that's her gig, man. She's great at doing that. She's she's really good at productizing people, commoditizing them. But, Correct. And that's that's if you understand that culture that's in music right now, they would call it the thought culture. I don't know if you know what thought means, but it's those yeah, holes that, over, there, over there. Or, hey, hey, I got one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should like I should I'm sorry about that. I should have I should have trusted you. Yeah, it's all, um, right. But, it's all right. I get around. Yeah. <laughs> I keep her. I, I, don't take it that way. Keep <laughs> she, she, she knows. She knows. It's a joke. I know. Uh, uh, but we're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it classy. But it's a very deep topic. Um, and we have to go and look at all the layers that's going on here. One, the reason, bro, somebody of Maxine Waters, um, uh, I don't want to say age, but from her generation, this is highly unexpected for her to support this kind of uh, music you was you was assume well i mean uh, music or the topic and the video and the lyrics i mean and and uh, which version did she hear is another thing you know yeah well um but i will say this maxine water has always been on the side of supporting hip-hop music now it may be for ulterior motives um, because of what district seat she's in. Um, and we're going to get to that later. Um, what I want to do now is show you that you expected the story to be covered on The Breakfast Club since it's a hip-hop station. When I heard it on the Ricky Smiley uh, morning show, that target audience is, well, he took over from uh, Tom Joyner. Oh, which, right, you know, that's course. the yes. that's the black boomer station. Mm. No offense. Uh, <laughs> WBBS, black yes. boomer. Yes. Yeah, so 
when I saw it there, I'm like, they're trying to really push the acceptance of the thought culture mm. in an older in an older audience. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that uh, clip. So let's get off into this thing. Last year, I know y'all probably remember Meg Thee Stallion wrote a letter about the lack of protection for black women. And as a result, Representative Maxine Waters sent her a letter commending her for her efforts. Now, fast forward a couple of months, Megan got the chance to interview Rep Waters for her Heart Bazaar, Harper's Bazaar spread. Um, during the interview, Rev- uh, Reverend Representative Maxine Waters told <laughs> Megan that she yeah. thought of WAP, saying, I listen to young people around me and they may tell me something that you may ought to pay attention to. But then they told me to look at it. Was it WAP? She said, she said, don't worry, don't worry. I said, now that's audacity. That is audacity. Yeah, truth comes out there, huh? <laughs> Rev, 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 Rev Maxine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of uh-huh. the cult of woke, a.k.a. the holy cow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that was a major slip that yeah. wanted to come out there. And that, and the reason why I also used that, that was the brat, which was a female rapper from the era, uh, from an earlier era. 80s, late 80s, um, late 80s, 90s. It was uh, mid-90s. Uh, really? One of my favorite songs, Functify. Yeah, early to mid-90s, I would say that. Mm, okay. And then she made one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, Functify. Um, so she has a good story, too. I mean, she she literally came from, from passing out shit around, right? Uh, we're we're gonna get into oh, okay. her story and, <laughs> and possibly her sister's story. Oh, and, okay, oh, we got <laughs> it's, right. it's a little foreshadowing there. Sorry, <laughs> all right, good, good, good. Uh, I like it. So, so we got to go back to episode fifty-two, and there, this is when uh, Meg Thee Stallion first popped up on our show, and it was talking about when she did the um, the Saturday Saturday Night Live uh, performance. And in it, she was like, protect black women. And right. let's just go ahead and get into that um, that feature. This morning, hip-hop star Megan Thee Stallion speaking out and speaking up for black women in America. Being constantly told she's too much or not enough. The most disrespected person is the black woman. The singer penning a powerful op-ed piece in the New York Times, taking on the issue of violence against women, opening up about her own experience and what she describes as being a victim of an act of violence by a man, explaining the issue is even more intense for black women who struggle against stereotypes and are seen as angry or threatening when we try to stand up for ourselves and our sisters. For her to speak to these issues and to speak to us specifically, um, because the conversation is almost always about everybody else but black women, uh, it's very meaningful and it's very significant. Yeah, this comes just days after the rap superstar performed her mega hit Savage on Saturday Night Live. The words protect black women behind her on stage, featuring quotes from Malcolm X and activist Tamika Mallory. Here's the black woman calling out Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron for his handling of the Breonna Taylor case. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Megan Thee Stallion's op-ed pointing to other obstacles black women face, like disproportionately high mortality rates for black mothers, and citing a 2019 stat that 91% of transgender or gender non-conforming people who were fatally shot were black. Oh man, I love it. So black women so, get, get no protection at all. <laughs> it's not so about are we black, talking about women. black women or they did a quick <laughs> yeah, little, little side, know. side move there. Little, uh, yeah, with a quick shift. And mm-hmm. my question is protect them from who? Yeah. Um, and I ask that in all seriousness because the implied 
well, party hope- they need to be protected from is black men. Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. Right. So let me try. Let me try this on you. So mm-hmm. of course we know why they say they want to be protected. Um, but then it's very hard to say that black women are being assaulted. So, well, but look at these uh, black women who used to be men. And that's that's is which you're really taking up for biological men. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, no, of course. But, wanna... but that's that's the method right there. It's like, well, we don't have any black women to show for it. So, well, but we got them. Well, and, and I'll say this: black women need to be protected. And what they need to be protected from (laughs) is, no, I'm saying specifically because they're the most propagandized people on this earth. Yes, they need Um, to be protected. That's And it could be much more damaging long run. Correct. And that's what we're really going to get into because I have to handle this show with care. And it's what took so long. Um, This is why I couldn't do it in one sitting because it's a very profound topic. Because I, as I always say, there's a gender war, a generational war, a race war all going on at the same time. And in that gender war, the mass media or mainstream media is pitting black men against black women. And I want to point out the real enemy in these next <laughs> hmm. uh, two sittings. We really have to do that because this thing is at a at full tilt right now. And let me just interject by just saying, what the heck happened to Saturday Night Live? The musical guest, and I was in New York in the 80s, and I followed this show for a long time. The musical guest was always something weird, something offbeat, something that you hadn't heard of, you know, weird outfits, uh, but always some kind of musical, uh, something great in there. I mean, it was it was... It was just, it was, uh, you, you you rarely ever liked the band, but be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And now it's just turned into this kit-making propaganda spot. It's really disappointing. It's the center ring of the woke circus. Correct. Is what it is. Yeah, correct. And, and, and what they do is they roll people out Saturday night and then Sunday morning on the news shows. And for the rest of the week, we have something to talk about. Um, I think you're probably referring to the... Little Nas X performance. Yep, um, exactly. And I, I just want to point that out that um, Bussy is on the rise. So um, I don't know if you know what that stands for, but that's another thing black women need to worry about. Bussy? And I'll get into that. Yes. Just, that stands just, for just uh, boy, for <laughs> boy, B-U-S-S-Y. Yeah, it stands for boy WAP pretty much is what it stands for. Got it. And the reason why I say that is even in that clip, and I brought that uh, that point up in that clip for a reason, they don't really care about black women. It's Once again, black women hold the door yeah. <laughs> and we're going to let everybody else in. Yeah. And what us, the men, brothers, you know what I'm saying, that really love our sisters and mothers, cousins, um, aunties and whoever else, we're waving the flag like, don't you see what's going on here? These people that's putting a battery in your back don't have your best interest at heart. And that's what really irked me about this whole um, um, Maxine Reverend Waters <laughs> right. um, doing what she did. Because it's like, you you are from Compton. You understand what goes on with the... Um, 
the commoditization of women and their and their and their uh most prized possession. And it, it really hurt I me. Mean, <clears throat> truly, it really hurt. I'm hurt right now just mm-hmm. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because then they say you don't want to protect our women. And the reason why we always have this conversation, it starts with us. It starts with us, but it doesn't end with us and mm-hmm. it doesn't stop with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm ringing the alarm um, to everyone else. This is what's coming. And hopefully, like as always, we can gain allies and and put this thing in the check. One of the disgusting things they did in that clip, and we called it out in show 52, is how they took the Malcolm X clip and used that one little snippet yeah, and didn't play the whole clip in context. So I would like to go back to that clip, play it in context, and then we can discuss. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected one, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. Then the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain, yes. We will kill you for our woman. We believe that if the white man will do whatever is necessary to see that his woman gets respect and protection, then you and I will never be recognized as men until we stand up like men and place the same penalty over the head of anyone who puts his filthy hands out to put in the direction of our women. Okay. And the key thing there is when he said respect and protection. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out, he didn't say black women, he said our Muslim women. Mm -hmm. So it was the women that participate in our culture, we protect with our lives and we will kill for them if necessary. There's a popular scene in the movie Malcolm X shot by Spike Lee where he's walking down the street in Harlem and you have working women, you know, a.k.a. prostitutes all around him as he's headed to his destination. He doesn't stop to protect them because he feels like they chose to be disrespected. Now, we're going to put some nuance and we're not going to dehumanize anybody here, but to use that clip of Malcolm X and say like he would condone what was going on in that stage while Meg Thee Stallion and um, performed a song which co-features uh, Beyonce called Savage. When we've been painted as savages throughout all of history, I don't think he would stand for that. So that's where I'm coming from. Like, and it, you got to ask yourself who who's behind Harper Bazaar, who's behind the New York Times, who's behind Saturday Night Live. Who's giving this person, Megan Thee Stallion, access to people like um, um, Reverend Waters and all of these platforms that she's participating and pushing this message? Not about women empowerment more than then. We need to be protected as black women. And I ask again, from who? Who are you saying that to? So I'll turn it over to you. I'm just trying well, to... Brother, brother, I'm hoping the answer is China. <laughs> but uh, the influence is very, very deep. And the worst part is that it's black women now 
who need to be protected from black women who have been completely co-opted under you know some massive spell and and that's exactly the point and it's what this does is when you go on national television and perform in the way that you perform you bring down the overall level of respect required for for women of all all, all statuses but especially black women mm-hmm. because now what what we have is um you have these extremes and when the boundaries are pushed then society like kind of gravitates further to the left or the right or conservative or liberal um not in the form of politics but okay if like back in the 50s showing sex on television was not acceptable right but then you would go fast forward you know it's like okay as long as they're under the sheets but we don't show any body parts so that made it it made it even more acceptable for you know other things that happen on television and they keep shifting this it's uh the acceptance and widening what's accepted well, and then well, that bleeds well, over well, into well, normal it was, culture it was only what 10 years ago and janet jackson's boob was exposed on the super bowl and everyone lost their shit and that's my point what color is janet jackson mm-hmm you, <laughs> you <laughs> It's always I walked right women. into that, didn't I? I walked right into it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, that goes to show you they use us mm-hmm. specifically, but our women more specifically, to push this sexual uh revolution, which I think we're in another sexual revolution now. We had one in the sixties and seventies, uh, and now we're seeing it um uh fast forward, we're we're seeing another uh evolution of it. Oh, well, and, well, the evolution is, has been a complete unraveling first into all these different categories. Right. And what we'd have to do is look at when we talk about this, like, and you pointed out yourself, you said everybody over 12 year old, 12 year old know what WAP stand for. Mm-hmm. That's because it's played on every radio station of course and we're going to get into the lyrics oh, it was it was it was completely normalized they were playing it on morning shows they were playing it everywhere it was number one it was it, it was a complete normalization and a super head shaker and you could not say especially in the presence of 15 uh, year old white girls you could not say this is unacceptable but, oh yeah yeah i know you can re- ring your bell but I, <laughs> it's still ringing in my head and and no. the and the main pushback was first of all, well, don't you know that's what male rappers have been doing for decades? That was the number one thing, and that's why it was hidden behind a, a advisory label um, and kept from people under a certain age. No, the advisor, so now, the advisory label is to make you really want to hear it. That's it's a marketing correct, tool. But it, I mean, I, I remember being a teenager when they first came about and. Yeah. You couldn't buy it unless you had somebody over 16 to buy it for you. Yeah. Um, But now you have uh, elders, uh, well, lack of a better word, elder, elders like Maxine Waters saying it shows audacity to talk about the moisture of your prized possession. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that in itself, that, I mean, that's a, that's a real head shaker, but I understand why. And we're going to get into why. But when I saw that, I was like, well, yeah, we really jumped the shark. Now, now, not that it matters, but do you think uh, Rev Maxine actually saw the video? It Probably it, not. That's what I'm Pro- thinking. Because I mean, it came out it, so it, easy for her, this audacity word. It's like, come on. But, and, and the other thing is, we, I did a deep dive, and it's a third person in that room. And the second show of this set, 
we're going to get into who's the third person in that room between Maxine Waters and and Meg Thee Stallion. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's Harper Bazaar is not a lightweight uh, magazine. It has it has um, you know decent standing. Um, I think it's from the Hearst family, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Um, yes. Yeah. So I want to get back going into part two from the Ricky Smiley uh, morning show uh, so they can wrap up with that. That's audacity. That is audacity. And that is the ability for women to take charge of what they want to say. I had paid attention to the young gangster rap at a time when men were in charge. They said whatever they wanted to say about women, what have you. But women didn't say for a long time what they could or wanted or dared to say. And so I thought that is audacity. Okay, Representative Maxine Waters, that's what's up. Represent for the ladies. That's what I'm talking about. Ooh. I, something just hit me I'm, since, since I'm listening to this. Mm-hmm. There was one white woman who uh, has done, has been on the WAP tip for her entire career and has been continuously yelled at about it. And that's, who, who would that be? Madonna. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it was taboo when she mm-hmm. would talk about it. Yeah, and- Madonna was rolling around on stage in 1986 with like or five with like a virgin in a wedding dress. It was a scandal, mm-hmm. a scandal. I tell you, then she had the, the pointy bra and oh, a scandal. And what's with all these dancers? And no, it's always, always, always got shit on um, initially by the, um, the culture police. Right, and now, fat, you know, coming into twenty twenty one, whole different story. This kind of behavior is, like I said, is is okay to show to twelve year olds, and that's I find that to be a real problem. But first, first we got to look at the word audacity, and I have two definitions here, um, just from a quick web search, and it says a willingness to take bold risk. Uh, that's the first definition, and then the second one is rude or disrespectful behavior, impudence. So what does she mean when she says audacity? Good one. <laughs> it, it's a it's a it's a one of those words like it depends on who's hearing it. Yeah, <laughs> what it means. Yeah, or and how you say it. But that's I'm looking at the dictionary dot com because you know they always mm-hmm. up to, update their <laughs> they update their <laughs> definitions whenever it's politically handy. Uh, so they so what, boldness or daring, especially with confident or arrogant disregard for personal safety, conventional thought, or other restrictions. That would be this show, by the way. Uh, yeah. and, and then two was effrontery or insolence, shameless boldness. Um, so it, it has softened it a little bit, but uh, and, and when you can when you combine those two definitions, <coughs> two definition is shamelessness without thought. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key point of it. It's without thought. It's mm-hmm. go do what you want to do. Uh, uh, do what thou wilt. <laughs> if you want to go uh, <laughs> Alistair Crowley on them right. and you you won't be judged by your for your actions. But we all know that's not how reality works. We're all judged for all of our actions. But th- that's why I said this is very this is a very harmful message that Maxine Waters is sending to younger women. Can I just, can for, I, just go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. What did you mm-hmm. say? I just want to make sure I heard it. They were uh, judged on all of our character, like all of it. Is that what you said? You said something. Yeah, I said we're. Ju- I said we're judged. I mean, for, for everything that we do, everything that we. I mean, that's how society works. If I go outside with a red nose on, I should be able to do it. But then people are gonna call me a clown. 
I mean, so right. I could okay. be a very competent. I could be a very competent person, but I'm going to be judged by my actions. I, I guess I, I guess I I jumped in because what I see is a very disturbing trend of people uh, doing just that, judging on the one thing you do and not being interested at all in the whole of the person, because that person really only represents that one tweet they made. You know, there's nothing else or that one. That, yeah. But that's what they're doing. They're boiling down women to a part. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. I have three daughters and a wife and a mother. It's like, you're not going to do that on my watch without me saying something mm-hmm. that when, when you go out here that you're just boiled down, you know, to, to, you know, to, and we're, like I said, we're going to get into WAP. Um, <laughs> <Yay. laughs> uh, uh, so, I went and found this clip from uh, Lorette, uh, Lorette Lynn from the TED Talks from Tulsa University, and she discusses redefining female audacity. Audacity. It is defined as having the courage to make bold choices or excessive confidence. It is both of those or either of those. I define female audacity as having the excessive confidence a woman needs to make bold choices between two seemingly conflicting but significant elements of her life. Mm, That's pretty deep. Excessive confidence. Yeah. And if we were to say this about men... (laughs) <laughs> excessive confidence that would be called toxic masculinity right Pretty much yeah or a, a or a trait of toxic masculinity so why is this not toxic femininity yeah this... if, 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 we call, if we're calling it a spade a spade <laughs> yeah. it, it, but what they're trying to do is trying to use the best word here what they're trying to do is uh, radicalize these young girls sexually. Oh, mission and, mission accomplished so far, as, as, and, as far as I'm concerned. And, and let me fill in from my perspective how this works. These are the greatest high priestess of the cult. You know how many converts you can catch <laughs> <laughs> with pushing this message with sex? You see it on TikTok. Yeah. These girls dancing, doing whatever, and then they pushing a political or a social message with it. And what I think, uh, that's why I found it disgusting. Maxine Waters and people her ilk said, well, you know what? We need more of that. These young we, girls we are need, like this. We need more of them to hypnotize everybody. We, well, we saw it with the TikTok dancing doctors, right? Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is how you get the message across. So it's like, well, let's commoditize some WAP and, 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 and congratulate them. And they'll more than do than go and uh, evangelize uh, for our cause, being the, the cult of woke. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, it, certainly with uh, 62 episodes under my belt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so mean, it's all witchcraft well, to me at this point. Yeah, because witchcraft is what control. And when you use sexual sexu- sexuality, you can, not saying you do or you will, but you can have control over people. As we saw, and another thing that made me do this case, I mean, do this story, is what happened in Atlanta. Wait, stop. 
stop at the sexuality. There's something else going on uh, that I've noticed. Um, the sexual acts of a black woman uh, depicted in music videos are uh, different from those of white women, and they are influencing. Does this make any sense, what I'm yeah. saying? It makes plenty of sense because now twerk twerking is the, is the yep. dance is yep. the dance of the cult. It, I mean, it has the whole um, big booty has mm-hmm. uh, changed the way women talk about their asses. White women, every, we're getting there. Every, we're going there. <laughs> uh, I just want you to know that it's, yeah. it's so noticeable. But it's also for me as a white man, and I've seen mm-hmm. you know I've, I've seen a lot of music videos, uh, but. Uh, Black sexuality on screen is different than white sexuality, but it's influencing in major ways how women dress, how they walk, how they uh, their makeup, everything is is all geared toward this. Yes, and you also got to look at AV. I mean AAVE as well, which is African African American uh, vernacular English, which we're going to do a whole show on that, where it's like they get into a trance. And they channel what they think black women are like. And you see this in all cultures. You know, um, the way they speak, like I said, the way they move, everything. Mm -hmm. So they're channeling. (sighs) Could be, could be the mother goddess, but we're not, we're not going to fast forward yet. Um, Let's just get into the lyrics of the song. And to get, to get to that, we have to go to the hip hop. Aficionado Ben Shapiro. 56 million views within 48 hours of. You know, it's like, hey, it's like Central Casting. Hey, can you find me a white guy, like a really white guy? Yeah, I got one. Yeah, his name's Ben. Oh, perfect. 56 million views within 48 hours of release. This is a deeply important piece of American art that we should all pay attention to. It is deeply empowering. As, as a sympathetic human being, I just want to make sure these ladies get the care they need. My wife's medical advice is that they go to a gynecologist <laughs> ASAP and that they and that they do whatever checks are necessary for bacterial vaginosis, yeast infection, or trichomonas. <laughs> whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass P word. Make that pullout game weak. P word. P word is female genitalia. It continues... Uh, along these lines. Yeah, you effing with some wet-ass P-word. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass P-word. <laughs> Give me everything you got for this wet-ass P-word. I mean, a bucket and a mop? This sounds like there, there's some there's something that is going on here that is not biologically normal. And by the way, this song is so unsexy that it frankly sounds like somebody describing what amounts to a serious condition that requires the care of a doctor. Fortunately, I know a doctor who is my wife. And so I asked her for her medical diagnosis and she looked at the lyrics herself. And after being kind of appalled by them, obviously, there are a few sort of giveaways here. So first of all, a bucket and a mop for this wet ass P word. So first of all, she had to clarify whether wet ass P word was a description of the P word or whether one of the clinical symptoms here was also diarrhea. <laughs> God. <laughs> so he embarrassed that, himself with that, Roy. I'll tell you. Yeah. That, but I will say this. Well, no, we're not going to put it off on, on black women either. And, and the reason thing I have with Ben Shapiro is Ben Shapiro. I'm sure you have uh, 
quite a few uh, phone numbers of record executives that are from your tribe. If you if you putting picking picking up what I'm putting down, oh snap that that you could put pressure on if you really wanted to put pressure on them. But no, it's always it's the women. It's 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 not the executives. It's not the people that sign off of this. You play it on radio stations and 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 um, uh, social media apps. And why is this allowed on Twitter without some kind of label on it? Do you hear those lyrics? And the thing is, this comes on at 7 o'clock in the morning on black radio stations while moms and dads are taking their kids to school. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Moms in the front seat jamming out. Kids in the back seat jamming out to these lyrics. And he didn't even get to the... These are these are the tame lyrics of the song. He couldn't even, he couldn't even get into it. But my question to Ben is, if you really want to make, are, are you using this for a talking point? Are you actually want to make some change? And if you do, make that phone call to your brethren. Well, okay. So first, uh, I, I have to say the music business has changed somewhat. And mm-hmm. uh, although, um, yes, uh, radio stations and syndicated shows and networks on radio have a there's a it's old school that's really the old guard i know uh i know charlemagne and, and you know is is very popular and a lot of people listen uh but this to me is more controlled by uh, advertising and technology uh and mm-hmm. you you could nudge just as easily because spotify really controls a lot more of the music business uh youtube youtube still apple music uh, apple music mm-hmm. um those are the big ones. And then outlet wise, uh, the one to keep your eye on is TikTok. I mean, they are, they are making hits. They are forcing hits. They reinforce hits. Uh, it's brilliant from a marketing perspective, but it also gives everyone the opportunity to practice, to practice being WAP or whatever, whatever, whatever they're pushing. What I'm hurt by being is, and then like I said, if you really want to, Talk about it and make change. But he doesn't. I'm I sure mean, you. No, let's just be honest. No, he's just yeah. doing an outrage talking point. He's. I can't right. believe this is happening. That's the way I feel. Which, about him. which is no better than what Maxine Waters did. Correct. See, see if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be fair and balanced and objective, I have to call out usury on both sides. Yes. Which this WAP was allowed him to put a battery in. You know, saying whoever he's connected with back, one being Candace Owens to put them on attack of in the culture war. Oh, and it, um, it, 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 the, the, everything points to that being completely intentional. Let's throw this bomb out there. Let's, let's spike it on, uh, on um, SNL and let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's get the division going. Let's get the party started, baby. Let's get everyone pissed off. Yeah. So I just want to point that out. I mean, if you want, if you're that outraged, pick up the phone and change the things you can change. And, and just going out and ranting about it really is not going to change it if you have the power to call people in high places and hey, say, hey, 50, I think he said 56 million views in 48 hours. Yeah. Well, How I, many of those were kids? Well, I, I think you give what? Ben Shapiro too much credit. No, <laughs> I, no I mean, it's not call. that. I mean, he's a he's a major player at, at YouTube. Yes. Because he's one of the, a reason, and the one I'm pointing this out is he's one of the only few quote unquote with pips conservatives allowed to stay on that platform. Mm-hmm. So you have you you have some, yeah you, you got some you pull have, that's true yeah yes so I'm I'm not gonna poo poo you're saying what kind of now can you get it pulled off no 
But I'm just saying that they, you want to take action, that would be the way to go be, to be more effective. But let's get back to Ben and uh, him rapping wet. <laughs> Please. Bring a bucket and a mop. So this suggests that there's an awful lot of, um, not to be too graphic, but some sort of uh, medical discharge that's happening here. Right, a lot too much because that's a symptom of something that is not going great. Beat it up, N-word. Catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this P-word right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. <laughs> Hop on top, I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This P word is wet. Come take a dive. Apparently, there, there are signs of prolapse. Um, and, and I say that because hop on top. I want to ride. I do a Kegel while it's inside. So there's some signs of some actual clinical prolapse, which is which is a problem. There's some talk about where this person is putting their nose. And there's some talk about smelling. Talk your S word. Bite your lip. Ask for a call while you ride that D word. You really ain't never going to F him for a thing. He already made his mind up before he came. Now get your boots and your coat for this wet ass P word. Pay my tuition just to kiss me on this wet ass P word. This, this is what feminists fought for. This is what the feminist movement was all about. Uh, it, it's not really about, you know, women being treated as independent, full, rounded human beings. It's about wet ass P word. And if you say anything differently, it's because you're a misogynist. You see. Yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate, but that's that is definitely young women today. And I'm talking 20s. Um, only fans, younger, younger, way younger. I'm just telling you what my experience is. Yeah, uh, or knowledge is only fans doing. You know, ah, well, you know, uh, the it and what it, you don't need only fans. It happens on. I was just listening to an interview today. It happens on on the dating apps. You know, it's like uh, why don't you? You know, it's called a Tinder pizza. Send me a pizza, and then I'll uh, then I'll uh, connect with you. And then uh, you know. What? <laughs> this yeah. is new. You, you heard the news. You, you, oh, I got one on you. Oh, straight from the streets, ladies and gentlemen. It's the latest. Yeah, it's the Tinder pizza. Where uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll hook up with you, but send me a pizza first, or it will go like, I'm hungry. I got to get me a Tinder pizza. And you just swipe swipe right on somebody and say, Hey, man, send me a pizza. And and this transactional nature of relationships is is uh, very deep right now. It's happening all that- over the place. And you hit it right there. You walked me right into my talking points. It's what we do, Mo. Uh, I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. That's how we roll. I alley you oop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I missed that one. Isn't it? Um, because I don't know what to do. Uh, except for, I mean, you got it. You, you can protect your children from listening to the music directly, but the culture around them are changing and it's changing at such a fast pace. That what you just said it's the commoditization and the transaction base of you give me this, I give you that. And it's not like it used to be, uh, I give you my, you know, saying my reproductive capabilities and right. uh, prize possession, and you give me a house and a, a safe uh, livelihood and, you know, I mean, safe uh, existence, and you protect me with your life. And, and, and a, part, a partnership in the male female model. Yeah, what it is now is gig work. Well, it's worse because on the other side of the equation, I'm sure you got something about it in this episode of the next one, is mm-hmm. um, porn is a, is a huge problem for young men. So bad that I recently learned that a major pharmaceutical advertiser on podcasts, although they're sporadic, uh, amongst gaming podcasts is Pfizer. And they're marketing Viagra and they're marketing it to 20-year-old men. Yes, and and that's the that's the above board stuff. I mean, you also got these Viagra <laughs> yeah. substitute uh, yeah. or Viagra like uh, pills being 
uh, sold Shocked around everywhere. And, everywhere. And, and and what it does it just warps it warps the expectation of young men and women. And then they say, well, protect women. And it's, if you take a young boy, and I'm not making any excuses, and thank God I didn't grow up in this era. <laughs> um, before, if you wanted to see anything, you kind of had to get your uncle's tapes and magazines. That, and I, like, I was going to ask you, you know, because we're what, 16, yeah, 16 years six, apart. 15, 15, yeah. Right. So my first porn was in the Netherlands, but it was magazine. Mm-hmm. We had two magazines. One was called Chick. And the other one was called Candy. And we had them literally buried in the woods, Mo. We had them in a plastic bag, buried, hidden under a log. They go, it's my turn to, It's my turn for the magazine. We go, get get the magazine. I'd take it home and bring it back the next day. And the other guy would take it. That was it. That was it. Well, th- I'll say this. This is where that, I was on that leap, the first wave of this sexual leap. When you had Little Kim, Foxy Brown. Right, but you didn't uh, have, you didn't have internet. It, you didn't find your first porn on the internet, did you? Oh, oh no, no, no. You had to go in um, either it was magazine, it was tapes. Right. And I'll, I'll for complete transparency, of course, of it course. was the it was the it was the African and Middle Eastern vendors that ah. would sell DVDs ah. um, because you wouldn't. Over, I mean, you go in these bootleg stores or that like would sell bootleg movies or whatnot, and that's mm-hmm. the and then they had like a back section. You know that, and that was probably in my twenties. So I would say even before then, you had a magazine called Black Tales, um, and that was kind of <laughs> like the black man's playboy. Cool. Man. But what happened was that jumped off of there and into King magazine, and I think what's called Vixen, and this was the rise of the video Vixen, right. where hip hop videos um, blurred that line between pornography. And and hip and, and just hip hop videos. I mean, you had a thing called uh, Uncut. It used to come on BET, and you would sit up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, to see what was the latest uh, Uncut video. From the okay, interesting because this did not start. The sexualization of women in music videos, of course, did not start with uh, with black women. It started with white women. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that was, the, the, you know, it took a while for money to be put into uh, hip hop videos. But I was there. I, I witnessed all of this. And mm-hmm. it literally went in one year from Tawny Katane, rest her soul. She just passed away. Uh, I was at her wedding. Lovely girl. You know, uh, alcohol is a shitty ass addiction. Uh, who was rolling over uh, in the White Snake? Well, for, she was married to the guy from Rat first, and she was in their videos. And she was on the Jaguar with her legs kind of spread and rolling around. And it went from that to, you know, boom, uh, Yo MTV raps. And it was, you know, it was butts, really. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of butts. That's what it started with. And it, it just, it almost ended, it, it made the. Um, it made the white hairband rock videos with hot chicks a joke almost overnight. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, everyone, it, it, everyone be like, ah, this, you know, that's sad. They look at this. It, it 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 changed right before your very eyes. One year's time. Yeah, it wasn't those easy tops no more. You know what I'm saying? It was, exactly. It was, yeah, uh, exactly. Sir easy Mix-a-Lot top, yeah. set tired. Yeah, there you go. Sir Mix-a-Lot probably was one of the biggest changes in how women were expressing sexuality on MTV. I'm not talking about anything else, but on MTV. And that was probably around that time, right? That was very early 90s. Like but at 90s the same time, around. you had the balance. That was the thing. It was like, this is a subculture of hip-hop. You know, this is a sub-conversation uh, in hip-hop. 
you know, you had the arrest thing going on. And I keep forgetting, I'm sorry about this, forgetting his name. The guy that you said you did the advertising with um, in this next clip, uh, big time advertiser. Uh, I think you said you did business with him once oh, or uh, twice. John, anyway, John, John Ren from Omnicom? Not, no. Um, you'll hear his voice okay. and then you probably could pick up on it. Right. But he pointed out, and I used this clip in, in uh, um, uh, the shooters to talk about the stud um, uh, stereotype they use in hip hop. And we just kind of slid past the other S that he discusses in this clip. Another area you talk about um, is relationships uh, between black men and women and yes. family re- dynamics. Right. Um, certainly relationships between black men and women ha- are, are known to have been troubles. Yes. Um, African-Americans certainly have a lower marriage rate than any other group. We have a lack of stable families, which mm-hmm. has a big impact on both mm-hmm. black children and mm-hmm. adults. You say that this is partly the result of popular culture, which promotes black men as brutes and black women as sluts, the studs and sluts campaign. Mm -hmm. So you fast forward 400 years and this theme seems the studs and sluts theme seems to be carried out certainly in the music videos, which are produced and acted in by black people. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, it's really uh, I want to believe that it's it's not a malignant kind of of intention. I believe that it's insensitive. We have been conditioned to victimize ourselves with the use of the N-word, denigrating misogyny, denigrating our women, uh, killing each other. This is part of the conditioning that nobody wants to talk about. Tom Burrell. Yes, yes, famous, uh, famous for his uh, advertising company. And, and and I'll call him out, I called him out then, I'll call him out now that it wasn't intentional. You had to know, and if you were there at the time, uh, it was a sister named C. Dolores Tucker. And we're definitely going to talk about her in, in the second show. Um, she called this out from the very beginning, and, and a lot of... Uh, I think his name was Curtis Butts, if I'm not mistaken, or pastor named Curtis Butts. Um, they called it out. They said, if you continue with this degradation of society, this is where you're going to end up. And lo and behold, here we are now. And one of Tupac's favorite uh, famous lines is he's like, Dolores Tucker, you a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was like, how you trying to hate on, you know what I'm saying, brothers, you know what I'm saying, trying to make money. But it was like, at what cost? And everybody told people like them to shut up. The money's going to be good. And even Maxine Waters was on the side of gangster rap at the time when C. Dolores Tucker was pointing this out as a problem. And she had a, a ulterior motive and a vested interest in hip hop. When I say she, I'm speaking of uh, Maxine, Maxine Waters mm-hmm. because her district is Compton, which is ground zero for gangster rap. So, of course, you don't want to see it be taken off. Right. That's a lot of revenue coming into your district. And I think fast forward now, we're seeing this again, where it's like, you know what? This could be very uh, beneficial for us politically to get behind these young girls, even though we know it's not right, you know, but they vote too. And and they're powerful priestesses if we uh, uh, mobilize them and, and, and you know, um, and they can radicalize young men and women uh, with their platform they're given. Power of music. 
and, and you fact that's yeah you factor that in like sex and music together mm-hmm. that's like a that's a deadly cocktail uh speaking of which uh let's just go right into uh number 13 Do we get your attention? Good. So, you're really not going to vote? You know it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? Check it. A district attorney decides who to prosecute. Including whether or not to go after dirty cops. Do you know who elects the DA? We do, but you don't want to vote. Can't make it rain if you locked up on some bullshit. Want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote for the school boards that will prepare us for the job market. Want to end cash bail? Well, then vote for the sheriffs and county officials that feel the same way you do. But you talking about, oh, they going to pick who they going to pick, shawty. Ferguson just elected their first black mayor. You know how that happened? It's clear black lives don't matter to some of our current elected officials. If they matter to you, then don't let other people decide who's going to run your community. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get, get, get your vote, vote, yeah, vote, 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 stretch. For information on how and where to vote, as well as resources to find out who's running where you live, go to getyourbootytothepole.com. Since everything is done uh, on the fly here, um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a lot of time to look this up. But of course, you're in my in my old wheelhouse in advertising, so I I looked this up. I want to know how effective that ad was because it was you know, mm-hmm. obviously we we know what its intent was. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the first video was released in September 2020 before the uh, presidential election, and it was repurposed for the Georgia runoff election for January. Um, the success of the first video led to the New Georgia Project funding a second ad explaining how to fill out a, a, a voting ballot. So, uh, evidently, it's evergreen. <laughs> evidently, it was successful and it worked. And uh, you know what? There you go. That's what all the political ads should be. If I if I, if I was a consultant, be like, hey, that's the way to go. So some booty in and, there. And, 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 and if you have that, those numbers, I'm sure they have those numbers. Someone does. And that's yeah. like, let's get behind a person like Max, uh, Meg, Meg the Stallion. Yep. Uh, Let me see. Woman, these, these, woman, check. Black, check. Booty, check. Go. Right. And I'm going to just point out um, one example. And this is really fascinating that you have black women participating in AAVE or African American Vernacular English. When she said, they're going to pick who they're going to pick, shawty. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hold on. So you're speaking how you think black men are going to speak. Mo, it's, it's, you got to stop because there's, it's so, okay, I don't know what it is, but um, I catch myself doing that too. When I'm talking to you. you know, well, it, hold on. It's, it, it's, it's a couple different things and they're conflating them together. There's code switching. There's a-A-V-E, and then there's, if you're talking to somebody and they're from another culture, you're going to pick up on things that they do. And I'm guilty of this myself. I work with a lot of Eastern Indians, Mm -hmm. and they do this head shake left to right. (laughs) Really? Uh, Cool. Yes. Like a a Bollywood thing? Like a Bollywood thing? It kind of means like so-so or (laughs) eh. So you do it, huh? 
because I've seen them do it, and it's not like I'm conscious of, you know what, I'm going to pander to them by doing it back to them. It's, I think in human nature, we pick up on these things. Um, but he, it's like, I'm trying to get to something here because it's one thing when, you know, when you pick up on stuff and you do stuff where I'll say, hey, brother, you know, whatever. But I say that to other friends of mine, too. It depends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same for every every person I speak to. But in general, if if Tina hears me say something that is clearly like like a, a mofaxism, she was like, excuse me? <laughs> but but if you're singing it in a song, then it's acceptable, you see? If you're singing but along with course, the lyrics. If, if, if you shot me off in Britain long enough, I'm going to come back with a bloody or two, right? I mean, it's just going <laughs> to... Sure. It's yeah. just yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But it's it, it, my thing is, if it's... Okay, let me pander to this person right, right what do they say how do they say it yeah um, i got you it's like write the script if, and, and build it all in there right or if it's i'm uncomfortable so and and, and i'm gonna say this uh uh this is a public service announcement to, to <laughs> all, all my all my white friends out there like the give me a pound dog don't do that <laughs> don't don't do that no because i understand you're trying to <laughs> But that's what uh, I'm endear- saying. It's, being it, endearing, it, it, but it, it's not. It's not even trying to be endearing. It's a. It's a. It's like a thing. It's. I think it's a human thing. You want to mirror someone. You. And by the way, people love mirroring successful people. So I understand exactly what you're saying. It takes conscious effort sometimes. For me, as a white guy, to not automatically yo yo blood, <laughs> yeah, it's because I've been trained that way. It's what I've, I grew up with. Huggy bear. You know, yeah, and- but but it, it also shows your you like your you know uh, what era you came up in because yeah, I'm guilty of it too because yeah. when I get ready to use slang, I go back to the the, the programming uh, of my teenage and young twenty years. I know uh, for I, some I, things, some I, things you pick up on. But I know, but I'm just saying, you know, you you just said you made very clear, like, hey man, don't do that. And but but you know what, I do it to my daughter. I'm like, no no cap. And she just gives me that look like, and for people who don't know about caps, like no putting, well, like don't, don't, uh, don't sugarcoat it. Yeah, no, 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 don't exaggerate. You know what I'm saying? Cap is like when you exaggerate or, or, oh, kind of lie opposite. about something. Mm, okay. I learned yeah. something. All right. So, it's not even, it's generational as yeah. well as racial. Um, and, and women, like you hear, do say it to women and women say it to men. Uh, I often have this, this weird thought. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make this a, a 30 hour show, but I got to, no, <laughs> I often have this weird thought that one day I'll meet you. I've never even seen mm-hmm. you one day. I'll meet you. And I have this really, this awkward feeling like, uh, here's how I envision it. I come to your house. I'm like, Hey Mo. And I think, and I, and I know that, your wife and your kids are going to be looking at me. I'm going to be so fucking conscious of myself as this white dude who works with daddy. It's it's the weirdest thing. Like, how will I say hi to Mo? Does that make any sense? It's it's just a thing that pops into my head sometimes. So my question is, is that your natural conditioning or is that like your just the cultural uh, temperature that we are now? That you don't want to be offensive, but you don't want to be neglectful either. Oh, okay. And I think that's the weird place it uh, puts uh, people uh, in. Yeah. It's like- well, Tiz, with you, if it's just me and you, mm-hmm. I know, I know, uh, it, and I'm not worried at all. It's like it's like, oh, how will I be perceived? 
and, and the reason why this conversation is so fascinating, this is what happens with women. Mm. The same thing. It's like, how do I communicate with them? Right. I'm being and really like, honest here. I mean, and it's and it's no, it's weird for it to come out of my mouth because you're my friend, and I don't and and your culture background nothing matters to me. Right. But it, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. Yeah, but we talk about it all the time. So yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not like it's, it's like off-putting or anything. Uh-huh. But that, what I'm saying is the same way, um, just that, since we're being, uh, you want to get that door? Yeah, uh, I, th- I, I, was, I was thinking about that. I think we should have been got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on a second. Let me close it now. That's even better. All right. All right. Just so, us. Just us now. The same way you said about coming to my house and what you say, it's the same thing with me. Uh, I'm sure with a lot of uh, black people to interact with white people on a constant basis, it's like, what's the fine pitch? Because or what's the right tone? Right. The reason why I say that is, and this is the double consciousness of I'm saying of, of the black person. It's, it's like, how will I be perceived and how do I stay true to myself? And when I come here, I don't look at it. I'm talking to you as a white person. I come here and I'm talking to somebody with decades of broadcasting experience. So I need to step my game up uh, to be able to hang with you on saying on your level of broadcasting. But there's a subconscious thought of, well, I don't want to sound too white either. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, got this. <laughs> But it's weird. It's, <laughs> it's so weird because growing up, not even growing up in the uh, in the nineties in New Jersey, I go down to South Jersey a lot. And this is you know the mm-hmm. kind of the rock scene to be in the studios, and and it, maybe it was just a New Jersey thing. But everybody was spoken to uh, based upon their how they look. They weren't they weren't uh, treated any differently. Everyone was treated exactly the same. But we have Ray the cripple. Hey Ray, cripple. Mm-hmm. You know, like go 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 get us some lunch, and you have mm-hmm. hey uh, uh, Sunil, yo, dothead. He was Indian, you know, and then mm-hmm. it would be like hey, you know, cracker. And for some reason, when it wasn't restricted, you could just say these things to each other. It normalized everything. Let me just, and I'm going to start every sentence by pointing out that I see you're different than me, and then and then nothing is different after that. And, right. we, and then we've lost that. We can't do that anymore. And I'll be honest with you, when we're talking about AV, uh, AAVE, uh, black people have the white person voice. Right. It's like when you go up an octave and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, uh, that'd be great, Adam. Uh, <laughs> we, should and whole show, whole we should do a whole show reversing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, like I said, it's human. Yeah. But the thing is, when you do it, when you go into it, calculate it, and just to bring it back to what of we're course. talking about now, yes, of course, of course, uh, with Maxine Waters, this was very calculated because I'm going to point out what era Maxine comes from uh, and some of the tales that made it uh, be presented that it was it was pandering, and that could, and one of the great examples of a pandering is the hot sauce in the purse with Hillary yes, Clinton. Yes, it's like so. This is it, right. This is the equivalent of that, but between two black women. So I think we left off with. Hold on, um, hold on. Let me, I can't. I can't start anything without. Please, yes. Can't start the clips without the door open. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, we, we got our booties to the pole. All right. So now we're gonna. When we talk about wet, I'm not speaking about the biological uh, part. 
um, per se. And it was this book that came out in the mid-1990s. And I remember my parents having it. It's by Don Spears, and it was called In Search of Good Pussy. <laughs> Welcome to Producer Profile. I'm Stella Winston. And I'm Jim Hill. Jim Hill, we have a guest author today, and he has written two books. His first book has a very provocative title, so get ready for it. Okay. Okay. The name of, of the, the name of the book is In Search of Good Pussy. Living Without Love. And his more recent book is called Playing for Keeps. And his name is Don Spears. Welcome to Producer Profile, Don. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Glad to have you here. Me too. <laughs> so, of course, you know. My brother. <laughs> Let's <It> do <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Get, Very, me, get me right, get, get you ready. Now, I uh, read some through some of the book, and I must say that I brought the book down with me to uh, my friend's house in Virginia and as she put it on her coffee table and she had a party and needless to say like everyone that came to the party picked up your book because of the provocative title but one of the things that we found out is really a metaphor what is it a metaphor for uh, it's a metaphor for euphoria if I said in search of euphoria in search of happiness nobody think about it twice but the minute they see good pussy everybody's curious and I was trying to get everybody to focus on exactly what a feeling of euphoria was like and most people can identify with sex so um, needless to say I killed two birds with one stone oh this is a a new entrant into my uh, my library this uh, yeah. Don Spears hmm. and, and saying this this book was laying around my house as a young teenage boy I was quite disappointed in the content of it at the time <laughs> yes. because I was like this, this I is not- it would come with like a treasure map or <laughs> some illustrations or something yeah right it's like man this is boring like, but i'll say this it, it's like when when i saw my parents what color is your parachute i was very disappointed it was not about jumping out of airplanes so. right <laughs> so uh what what don was he was a visionary because he and we're, we're i keep saying this but we're going to address some of the topics that he addressed in that book but some of the talking points that you have coming out of uh, uh, the relationships and the conditions between men and women, he was spot on in the mid nineties. Mm. Uh, and like I said, we'll talk more about that. But what I want to do is when we refer to WAP, I want to think about it as a stock and a company that sells euphoria and the value being manipulated by shareholders or brokers okay. and Maxine water is one of those brokers. Does that make sense? Cause I don't want to make it vulgar. I want to keep it class. Like I said right. before, and no, I okay. don't want to make so, it vulgar. No, gotcha. yeah, go ahead. so WAP is, uh, uh, is like, uh, uh, a pot company stock, uh, mm-hmm. which gets manipulated a lot, but the, uh, the product brings you euphoria and you're a shareholder. Uh, is that it? Is that where we are? Right. But then you also could spend it. So it's like a currency too. So, I mean, just oh. going, my point oh, is, WAP you, is Bitcoin. You could, okay. I got you. It, it could, it could be, but I mean, well, <laughs> not necessarily. It would be, be the, it would be the, uh, the, the paper currency. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cause it's something fiat, that you can, it's currency. actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can actually, <laughs> well, <mess> well, <laughs> could be commodity or fiat, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, so let's get, so what we always do, we have to go back to the source material of the conversation between uh, Meg Thee Stallion and Maxine Waters. We don't want to just do sound clips uh, so we can hear it, uh, the conversation in context. 
Now it'd be number 15. I was uh, moved by uh, your article, and I was so pleased uh, that you wrote the article for a lot of reasons. Oftentimes, uh, particularly happens with entertainers, they put you in a box, and somehow they don't see you as a person who has a life that includes family, that includes interactions, uh, decisions that you have to make that has nothing to do with your performance. And so they don't see you as thinking about uh, the plight, for example, of black women or civil rights or any of these issues. So that's why I was very pleased uh, that you wrote it. And so when we saw it, we thought, wow, this is great. And I'm so pleased. Let's let's write her. Let's let's let her know uh, that we think that uh, she's doing a great thing and has done a great thing. Uh, and I want you to know that when you you know speak of yourself and you say maybe you know people think you're being too controversial, et cetera, et cetera. Pay that no attention. For some people uh, who don't have courage and don't have confidence, they don't understand it when they see it in other people. So uh, you should be proud of that. You should be proud of whom you are, and I know you are. And not only your talent, but your person. Who? What do you care about? And, and, and what is it uh, you're, you're doing that is not only good for you, but it's good for others. So thank you very much. And I'm pleased to be with you. All right. Question. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, she was featured in Harper's Bazaar. Did she write? I don't think. Did she write her own article? No, actually, they wrote a letter to Maxine Waters wrote a letter to Meg Thee Stallion. Ah, and it's picked oh, up okay. by this third party and was like, uh, you know what, this will make a great segment if we get them down, uh, uh, get them together I see. In, I a, see. in a conversation and we'll reveal the third party. So stay tuned to, uh, to the next show because that is a very fascinating person that's in that room with them. That's the third uh, person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the third person. Uh, and that's the, like the broker. It's like <laughs> you have the seller yeah. <laughs> and you have the buyer and then you have the broker is brokering these deals between these two parties and what Maxine Waters is basically telling Mel Stallion, don't feel any shame, don't worry about people with low confidence, you know have your f- female audacity or your high confidence mm-hmm. uh, we, should, now, we should probably mention although it may come up later mm-hmm. that Megan Thee Stallion of course it's really Cardi B's song but Megan Thee Stallion she, uh, this was her moment to be pushed to the forefront uh, since Cardi B couldn't uh, communicate any messages, she was failing. That's exactly right. And what what excellent point. And you you took me you added it up and I'm open our home. All right. This is the phasing out of Cardi B. Cardi B. What you have to have is a balance of being able to, as you said, communicate the message and be seen as um, intelligent, but at the same time be able to harness your sexual powers. To cast a spell. And Meg Thee Stallion is being groomed in that way to be a perfect example of this uh, because they wanted to be Cardi B, but she's too cartoonish. And and it just doesn't work. Mm. Uh, so, but I, like I said, I found this knowing Maxine's age, excuse me, Reverend Waters' age <laughs> and what school she comes from, it's, it's a thing called modesty. Um, my grandmother would probably be about the same. She would still live and be about the same age as Maxine Waters. And you would hear her words like hussy, mm-hmm. uh, fast ass. Um, what did she say? Uh, strumpet, 
tramp. You know what I'm saying? And it was like I would say these hu- were hussy. Words. Hussy would be the one you'd hear the most. Probably. Oh, the hussy. Oh, you got the hussy. Oh, you were you. Were, <laughs> yes. Oh, you're bad with your news. Bad, AI, bad you know, news. That kind of, bad bad news. And when I see a woman sitting up here, uh, congratulating another woman on perpetuating stereotypes that black women have worked so hard to shake, even herself. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but this leads to men. In certain areas, um, in the office place, whatever else, saying lewd jokes or maybe you're saying approach you in a certain way. It's like, oh, well, you're black and Megan Thee Stallion's black and she likes to twerk. Do you like to twerk, Tawanda? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. It's like, why would you think that? And it's like, well, every other person uh, I... I see on television likes to twerk. It looks like you. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think this is very dangerous for her to peddle in this kind of, I'm going to call it what it is, smut. It's, it's smut peddling. And this is not to shame women. If you're a sex worker and that's what you do and that's your choice and you made that choice in an adult, more power to you. My issue is the, the, the effects that it has on uh, developing minds. The same way I would say about drugs. And as you said, with porn, it's the same thing. I have no problem if you're an adult male or female and you like to uh, 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 watch uh, pornography. Hell, even make it. I well, mean, that's your I'd, choice. I'd even add uh, uh, cable news to that list at this point, uh, Mo, as bad things for the de- development of a young mind. Well, it's porn. Mm-hmm, I mean, porn is, is porn. It, you're so, right. <laughs> we have we have uh, uh, sexual porn uh, and news porn well, and all kinds. Well, of Well, we covered a snuff film on the last show. Yeah. That's what that that's what that nine minute video was. That's yeah. how the news play that's not the news um um portrayed it as you know as a snuff film uh uh to yeah. uh elicit certain feelings and, and and to they used it the same way that Maxine Waters is trying to uh leverage uh in fact Megan the Stallion. In fact, if faces of death was a thing today, it would be in faces of death. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I just want to point that out because it, it, it troubles me. And the reason why I have a vested interest is I have three daughters, one being 17 years old. Um, I don't want her to be looked at as some kind of sexual object. And I don't want her to be think it's OK when you hear a, a sitting um, uh, Congress person in con- Congress, Congresswoman. Saying it's OK to. Portray yourself in that way. I can't see her telling her granddaughters this. I can't see. I mean, I may be wrong, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't see it. Um, but let's go ahead and get into uh, number 16. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That sort of brings me to my next question, um, which is, uh, what do you, what's the biggest lesson you hope that young Black women can sort of learn from this current moment that we're in? Well, you know, I think that because Black women... Uh, have not um, uh, been respected in ways that will help them to feel good about themselves and they looked uh, to others and particularly men uh, in order to get approval uh, then you know we need to say to black women first of all concentrate on whom you are 
and what you think and what you care about. And approval does not always have to come from others. Other people's opinions do not make you. Uh, and the opinion of men do not determine who you are. And so we want women to have the kind of confidence that we're talking about today uh, that you have, Megan. And uh, so I think if there's anything that we can say uh, to other black women is that get grounded get grounded, you have an opinion, uh, and you, you're thinking, and you, uh, you, you, you're taking charge of your life rather than have everybody else telling you what you can do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Uh, and so building confidence is the most important lesson that we can share. Wonderful. So happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, you know, the more I, I hear of this, the more I'm thinking, look, Maxine Waters is 82 years old. Um, mm-hmm. she, she didn't see this video. She was given, uh, she was, she's being directed at this point. I, I have a hard time believing she really knows how destructive it is what she's doing. I, I, I just, and that's even far, even more dangerous because yes. now she's a commodity. Yes. You yes. See, you see, you see yes. No, I, I, totally. <laughs> this woman has not seen it. She has not seen it. She really doesn't know. It's been kept from her somehow. It's, you can tell. And then I call BS on her then saying you take control of your life. You make your own decisions. Well, if that's the, if the, if the scenario paints it like you're painting it, plays out like you're painting it, then she doesn't have any control of herself, and then she's telling the third party, which doesn't have control over herself. Let's well, be clear here: that's Meg Stallion is a commodity. Yeah, Meg the Stallion is a commodity to the an asset to the record industry and maybe even a, a larger entity. Uh, she doesn't get to choose what she wants to do and what she wants to say and what she gets to wear and and the songs that she sings. And that's bullcrap. There, there's uh, study groups and uh, advertising agencies and and uh, business executives, record executives that picks her every move. Uh, so Maxine is in, in but in, in the same note, if like I said, if it plays out like you're painting it, which I would probably lean toward what you're saying more than anything else, then somebody, some, some uh, somebody is in Maxine Waters' ear telling her and coaching her so you have the coach coaching the coach <laughs> and it's like who is the people behind these two yes yes who is the people behind these two well you have to wait and see uh, <laughs> oh okay all right is that in part right. two next week after the cliffhanger yes yes, yes it is <laughs> okay good nice. uh, so going back to you brought up the point fiat money and we have i want to be very careful to say that WAP could either be commodity money or fiat money. And we're going to get into the definition of those two things. And where else better to learn if WAP is commodity money or fiat money than Khan Academy? Let's take a look at a United States $1 bill. What is it that gives this thing value? You can give it to people and get back, you know, food that you can eat or things that you can use and things of hard value. But what is it about this little piece of paper that makes it valuable? Or I guess it's not paper, is it? It's, it's cotton, something like that, right? But, but the question stands, right? Like, what makes this flimsy little thing that doesn't seem to have any use in its own right valuable? Well, one kind of interesting exercise is to step back in time a little bit and take a look at what the very, very first United States dollars looked like. So I have here one of the very first that was printed, and let's zoom in on it and kind of read some of the words associated with it. So if we zoom in, let's just say towards the very top here, notice that it says silver certificate, silver certificate up here at the top. So what does that mean? Well, if we zoom out a little bit, it says, it says, 
that this certifies that there has been deposited in the treasury of the United States of America, and then the sentence kind of continues in an awkward way below, one silver dollar payable to the bearer on demand. So what that means, what this dollar originally represented was the fact that you were going to be able to turn in this bill for a silver dollar. This piece of paper, in theory, could be turned in to the United States Treasury, which guaranteed that it had in its deposits a silver dollar, an actual piece of silver, and I'll show what one of those looked like in just a moment, that it would return to you for this bill. So in a sense, what gave it value was this guarantee that you could turn it into silver if you wanted. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's commodity money. And what I would say is, just my, from my opinion, WAP in its proper state is a commodity. Now, I just want to make sure we get some, some terms straight, and I'm fine with you mm-hmm. calling it that. But fiat, okay. fiat, when you talk about fiat specifically, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, um, it's not commodity money. But when you talk no, no, no. about it, fiat. Yeah, I'm just opposing. That's two different things. Okay. I'm not. I'm not conflating the two. It's okay. in, 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 yeah. So that's we're just talking about commodity money here. Okay. Gotcha. Something is backed, and the backing of WAP is children, <laughs> um, uh, uh, um, scarcity, because silver being scarce is why it holds value. Right. You can't find it anywhere. So, uh, the f- less this on the market, the more it's consumed, the value goes up in it. Right. So that's what I'm saying. The traditional expectation of WAP or the proper state of WAP is a commodity because it can deliver dividends to you called children. Okay, I'm with you. That's why men will invest in it. It's like, you know what? (laughs) 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 Yes, okay. (laughs) I will share half my food with you and my share of food with you because you're going to pay off dividends, you know what I'm saying, down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we get to fiat money. And this word fiat kind of means a decree or a declaration. So it's like the United States government has declared that this is money. And just by declaring that it's money, presumably that gives its value. So it kind of feels much more hollow in comparison to, you know, commodity money or commodity backed money. Uh, but there's a couple, a couple hard things backing this up. One of them, if you, if we kind of zoom in on some of the words here, um, Vigo, you see that it says, this note is legal tender. So here, I'll write that down. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. And I talked about the idea of legal tender in the last video and how that actually, you know, gives a little bit of clout to this being valuable as long as you trust that the government will enforce its laws as, as it claims that it will. But for the most part, uh, what makes this stuff valuable is the fact that other people trust it, right? The reason that you value having a dollar bill is because you know you can give it to most people and they are willing to trade you valuable things for it. And at the end of the day, that's what was making, you know, silver dollars or these $10,000, you know, gold, gold notes valuable because almost no one would actually trade it in for the silver because why would you? It's just as good and it's a little bit more convenient to just trade around the bill itself. So once that's actually in the psychology of a society and once everyone kind of is used to the idea of trading around this paper representative money in order to be able to get things of value, it's not actually a huge leap to just have the paper that you're trading around as long as everyone else trusts it. And it still serves those those functions of money that I talked about in previous videos. It's a medium of exchange and you can store this for value, right? Oh, okay. I like this a lot. I like this direction, Mo. This is <laughs> this is very good. So- <laughs> and I, I know so, a lot. So, I know a so lot fiat. about the history of money, but the thing I'll just—I'll add I to this. I'll just add one thing. It's—it's it's total mind control. 
Yes. The belief and, and in the, the belief in the dollar. To... <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that's what I'm the... just saying. I got you. It's mind control. And that's the point of why where they're headed with WAP is to make it fiat currency. To say it's worth something because I said it's worth something. Yeah. It's not backed by anything because I, if I invest in it, it's not going to deliver anything to me. You know what I'm saying? It's the only, it's the only value as the market said it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's backed by anything. Um, so they, that's why they need to have this uh, audacity or this high confidence. That's what these are words that we say in stocks and, and now in cryptocurrency all the time. It's like, the, what's the confidence in it? Here, um, that's what makes it whole value. Here's an analogy for you. The U.S. Mm-hmm. the U.S. dollar, while backed by no sound uh, money, no sound commodity, is backed by one thing that the entire world believes in, and that is the humongous military apparatus that says, "If you don't believe in our dollar, we're going to f you up." And it exactly. seems like this type of uh, fiat that is being created has a similar mm-hmm. backing. Like, oh, you don't you don't believe in it? We're going to cancel you. We're going to f you up. It, can I get a cancel call? I mean, cancel cannon for that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. You nailed it right on the head. And that's the thing is that if you got to have confidence in it, if you don't have confidence in it, then we'll do what like they did Gaddafi. We'll yep. drag you out. <laughs> yep. You're going to do <laughs> what? We'll you. You're going to sell your oil in what? You're going to do a gold right. dinar what? Uh-uh. That's right. So th- this is what's happening now that it's that it's this currency war going on. And it's really between women. Uh, they take it out on men because kind of like men are setting the value of we're cool either way. It's like, I mean, whatever. I mean, if you want to, you know, treat it like fiat, then it's no, it's, wow. a, it's an exchange currency. All right. I just got to say, yeah. since our last show, <laughs> since our last show, I've been uh-huh. watching, I've been watching the wire. You know, it's like, I take mm-hmm. my homework seriously. You know, you're doing stuff <laughs> for the show. I'm doing stuff for the show. <laughs> and, Wow. Uh, and of course, I, I had never seen The Wire before. I started with season one. I'm now into season two. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I watch this with very different eyes than I would have when the series first came out in 2002, 2003. Um, but the the creation of fiat women is all over mm-hmm. this thing. It's all over this yes. thing. It's all over it. And that's you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And now enter stonks. So we got to talk about stonks for a minute. I got. I'm gonna explain. I'm having what explain. Explain kind of what it is, but this is how young females are treating their uh their their uh, stock. They're treating it as in it's gonna go up because it's gonna go up. It's it's like the high confidence in the <clears throat> in the fiat version of it, and it's uh I can sexualize myself in a, in the market. I can go to a brokerage brokerage and put my stock on the market, and it, and it'll, it'll gain value and it's the same kind of mentality behind stonks. Stonks, stonks, stonks. So you want to invest your money? Then you might want to think about investing in stonks. Stonks are one of the hottest investments in the world right now. You've probably heard everyone talking about stonks. So how do you get in on the fun? Well, you just take your money, spend it at a stonk exchange through a stonk broker. Easy. You'll be a millionaire in no time. Stonks, stonks, stonks. Buy them now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're laughing and this it is that was a joke i mean kind of like a joke of description of stonks but that's kind of the message to these young girls monetize it and you'll be a millionaire over men uh, overnight on only fans or um and it's kind of like tiktok is the grooming 
uh, platform oh, before they sure. jump off in the OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is enter bad b- baby. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Hi. Good to see you. Um, hey, a lot of people are saying OnlyFans should be changed to 21 and older only. I mean, you're 18, you're on OnlyFans. What do you think? I think any bitch who says that is mad because they didn't make as much money as me on the Really? That's obvious. Like, how could you be mad that someone younger, that's like seeing somebody, that's like seeing a banker make millions and millions of dollars and say, oh no, banking should be changed. You can't bank unless you're 21 and older just because they're young. Like, what, so if I was 21, you're going to say that it should be 25, and if I was 25, you're going to say it should be 30? They're saying it's, it's uh, like, child grooming. What, what do you, what no, I, listen, I, I'm not groomed by nobody. I make all my own decisions, and I have been since I was very young, so. You were a little hesitant to post, you know, everything. I, I just, you know what, at this point, how do you give the people what they want on your OnlyFans without, you know, giving them the whole thing? You gotta go check it out to see. Let me ask you one last thing. People are saying that it's cheating. If you're married, a, ma- a married man or married woman, and you're subscribing to someone on OnlyFans, that's cheating. I mean, I wouldn't, I, my, I don't know, my boyfriend wouldn't do that, so I don't know what y'all boyfriends doing. Y'all need to take that up with them. Would you Would you be pissed if your boyfriend was subscribing to another girl? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He, wouldn't. he would never do it. But would, is that considered, would you consider that cheating? I wouldn't date nobody that would do that, so I wouldn't know what to say about that because I wouldn't do it. Yeah. That's fucking cheating. It's cheating. <laughs> loaded, loaded. <laughs> it's so, so much there. So we have ba- uh, Bad Baby. She made a million dollars her first week on OnlyFans mm-hmm. because people were waiting for her to turn 18 and do it. And that's why they say it's grooming, which I agree is grooming. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, and yeah. she, she's another one said, I made my own decision. I have one. No, you what? No, you haven't. Um, she has been steered by record companies for a very long time since she showed up on Dr. Phil. Now, I know you may not know her name here, but this is the catch me outside girl from Dr. Phil. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Hello? No, I'm not the catch me outside girl. I know Dr. Yeah, Phil, so- of course. So she's a uh, uh, allegedly a white girl, and she uses AAVE, and she kind of uh, carries herself like a stereotypical uh, ratchet woman. <laughs> and uh, what she does here is, like I said, she built up this um, anticipation for her to turn eighteen to do this. And and it's like I said, this is the grooming. This is the jump no, no, from that's, TikTok that's, that's over a, to that's, OnlyFans. That's a professional marketer who did their business there. That's that's yes. that's very professional. And no the other thing it. is, so now she's saying the same thing. The stonks people. That's why I brought the stonks in. Is she's people were saying, well, you need to be twenty one to be on OnlyFans, not eighteen. Right. That's the same thing the stonks investors are saying. The the older guys don't want us to make any money. You know, we want to make money. You know, saying on on these um on these short squeezes and things like that. And it's the same thing over here. And I think this is points to a more of a culture of quick, get quick I and mean, get rich quick. It's, it's not just, like I said, it's not only women. It's the same mentality with men, women and men of the generation that is getting money and getting paid for nothing. But this is, this is, uh, you know, we talk a lot about they and them. 
but this mm-hmm. is a uh, the mechanism technology I mean, I, I've been in the meetings. I know that there's meetings where, look, this is fantastic. We got all these chicks and they have, they, they're paying thousands of dollars. People to see them, only fans. You know, we need to find more. We need to recruit more. Let's go out there. Uh, so I'm sure there's nefarious elements that intersect with that, of course, but it is, it is just an automatic mechanism by the douchebags that run these websites. They're, it's, they don't care whether it's female porn or, political porn or war porn or as long as it's porn and mm-hmm. so they're a big part of this without necessarily having an agenda other than profit well i would say an, an uh an agenda nothing other than engagement and okay, that's the fair key enough, fair doesn't, enough fair enough yeah fair it, enough it doesn't it, yeah. it doesn't matter which side you're on and this is where my in the last time since we talked my not my knot has been rocked or like or my head has just been like uh mind blown by this discovery of warfare uh worldview warfare and it's something i'm going to be bringing to the show in the near future but it's by uh, a talented young man uh uh, had a um the privilege of having a conversation with he's wrote a seven year took him seven years to write this book it's basically it doesn't matter which side you're on as long as you're engaged Long as they have you either on the Ben Shapiro and the Candace Owens side, or the uh, the Maxine Waters and the um, and the Megan Stallion side, as long as you're engaged, they're winning. Correct. Engagement equals uh, either more data to sell, or more advertising to sell, or more um, uh, uh, anger and division to sell to others on the same platform. And it's bigger than that. If you're engaged, then you're a binary thinker. Of and course, that's what, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what really frustrates people about us because we're not binary thinkers. We use nuance and, and, and being objective to look at situations. It's not like I'm on team this and you're on team that, that kind of thing. It's okay, let's look at the details. And that's that doesn't work well because what they need to program society is ones and zeros. See that? It's, it's a program. <laughs> We're in a, a major program. Yes. Uh, of ones, and each person is a one or a zero in, in the programming of society. And we talked about this early on in the first 10 episodes, nudging how, mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and technology, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a credit, credit score. We have a little disagreement on that, but credit score apps uh, that nudge mm-hmm. you into certain behaviors, uh, right down to what videos you watch on Netflix, all a part of it. Yes. And, and that's the that's the whole point right there. And so, all complicit I, too, I would say. Yeah, and, and like I said, with Bad Baby, just one thing I want to point out to her: she was linked with uh, NBA Young Boy, and that's the perfect match of the slut and sluts and studs that um, Tom Burrell alluded to before. Got and, it. And she's covered with uh, butterfly tattoos. So I mean, nah, you do with that. MK Ultra you, baby, perfect. <laughs> you do you do with that what you will, and and she came on the scene with Doctor Phil, so. It's just, this is just a bunch of smoke there. Dr. Phil, uh, a fine Oprah outlet. Let's just, let's just tie the knot there. Yeah. It, thank you. Hooped <laughs> <laughs> it on home there uh-huh. for me. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to go back to Maggie Stallion and Maxine Waters uh, conversation in part three. How do you build community with other black women? You know, what I'm seeing right now between the two of you is like, um, it's like a, it's like an example of how you build community, which is showing words of affirmation for another person saying, I see you when I see you. So I'm just wondering how you build those sorts of communities, what sort of actions you do to build community with um, other black women. First of all, 
uh, we have to take people where they are. And uh, we have to be honest uh, with people about whom we are. And we have to be honest in ways that will help people to open up and be honest with you. And so if we put ourselves high on a pedestal somewhere and we're talking about, I'm your role model and you got to do this and you got to act this way and you got to dress this way and you should be doing this, etc. First of all, we're not being honest. Uh, and secondly, uh, we have people who address issues in different ways. We have people certainly who have, you know, different thoughts, things that we don't even think about or know about. And we have people who, um, you know, don't accept, you know, what is considered the tradition. And we have to respect that. And we have to take people where they are. And when we approach people, it is not trying to uh, have them believe that somehow uh, you are more pure, you are more uh, knowledgeable, you are more anything. Accept people where they are, and they'll accept you where you are. Hmm. So, building community, what they're trying to do is bury the hatchet between the, and I, and I use these words just not in a demeaning way, but the ratchet, sexually free, sexualized women with the the thinkers and the uh, affluent women. And that's what they're trying to do, and it's specifically black women, because there is contention between the educated and the uneducated. Is this where the Gucci and the Chanel fits in? Well, that the ties the bond. <laughs> both both sides appreciate those things, but <laughs> okay. uh, um, what, what I'm saying is, at one time it was I went to school, mm-hmm. so I'm not of that crowd, right? Or if I'm in that crowd, these women look down on me, and it's what's happening when black men pulled away more and more when you have it go from ten percent to twenty percent being more uh, politically politically free-minded, either where they're not voting or, or they're voting for uh, the opposite party that they're normally expected to vote for, these political groups need to galvanize their ranks. So it's like, sisters, <laughs> mm-hmm. we got to band together. You know, we're losing black men over here. You know, you gotta, we got to figure out how to bring the women, that, uh, get them off the pole and, you know, and get them in, in the pole, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, and that's what you saw the strollers yep. strolling to the pole. And that's really who's pulling the strings here are the strollers. And that's who Maxine Waters represent. They will look that typically look down at their nose at these women, but they realize the power that they have now, the platform that they have, and also the need to bring them into the fold because of their shrinking numbers of overall black. And what this really points to is, I've been saying a lot of times that black women are their own different demographic. Really, they have their own culture. <laughs> hmm. They've developed their own culture separate of black men. Hmm. So, and, and, and they're talking about build community and notice it's like, how does, uh, how do we build community with black women? Now, uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to go back to show 53 and listen, and, and Maxine Ward was saying, yo, we need to meet people where they are and mm-hmm. uh, celebrate difference in thinking. Well, this is Maxine Water on black male uh, Trump voters. 
they think somehow if they are going to support Trump, Trump that they're going to realize some big sums of money that's going to come to them through yeah. some damn proposals that they're going to present and they're going to be taken care of and they're going to be able to manage all of this money. They are crazy. They're not going to get a dime from these people. They don't even know how to put together the right kind of proposals to even be considered uh, in this way that government works and how you have to get through the House and the Senate and all of these committees, even in order wow. to get to the president to sign something, and he's not going to sign a darn thing to them. He's a racist. He does not have any appreciation for black people and black women in particular. He's talked about it so bad. He talked about John Lewis so bad. He talked about coming so bad. He has no respect for us. He's not doing anything for us. And for those black young men who think somehow they can align themselves with Trump, Trump, not only are they terribly mistaken, any of them showing their face, I will never, ever forgive them for undermining the possibility to help their own people and their own communities. It is absolutely unconscionable. It is shameful. Wow. I think the first part of that was the most offensive to me, mm -hmm. where she's saying they don't even know how to put together a proposal. They don't know how it works in government. Stupid black men. Exactly. Where this meet them, meet them where they are, and you know, I'm sure you don't have the same standard for these maybe uh, politically uh, inexperienced women. I'm sure they don't know how to put bills together and things of that nature. But and 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 the weird part is this was in response. Partly to what Ice Cube did, yes, of and, and what he was trying to do. American and plan. the thing is, she was supportive of Ice Cube when he was uh, putting degradation and 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 gangster rap forward in 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 the nineties. She was for that. Oh yeah, but it's like you can't have independent thinking. Oh no no no! Uh, uh, all that understanding and, and meeting people where they at goes right out the window. <laughs> what? To what? To vote for somebody that. Uh, uh, equally as bad, if not worse, so than, what, the, the, than the option. <laughs> so, so, of course, what we're missing is a lone black man standing up and saying, Maxi Auntie Maxine, you're full of crap. And you don't hear that anywhere. Well, no, you hear it. It's just it's not, uh, not uh, popularized on mainstream media. Of course not, no. It, it, they can't allow that to happen. So now we got to look at culture, and we have to really look at uh, the purpose of culture and we're going to get into the difference between a cult and culture because I'm sure people ask, ask what, well, what's the difference and why do you look at one, one group as one way and one as the other. So we're going to go to uh, Dr. Amos Wilson and he's going to talk about culture and problem solving. Looking at the question, what is culture? Horton and, and, and Hunt said from life, from their life experiences, a group develops a set of rules and procedures for meeting their needs. The set of rules and procedures together with a supporting set of ideas and values is called a culture. To a great extent, you see, a culture involves a, a, a set of rules and a procedure for meeting needs. And this is the thing we have to keep in mind. You don't have a culture just to have a culture. And you don't claim a culture just because it's a culture or just because it's African. The ultimate thing that culture must do is solve problems. That's why people evolve a culture. That's why culture comes into existence as a way of what? 
solving problems and meeting needs. That's why at a certain point, when a culture no longer meets the needs of a people or solves the problem confronting a people, that culture must be transformed. Um, am, I, am I just now realizing that the word cult comes from culture? <laughs> Are you? It's a, it's a, but it's a difference. There is a difference. Yes. I'm, I'm just kind of, that just kind of hit me with that clip. Yeah, but there is a key difference because culture solves problems. That's the whole purpose. We we work together in a culture to solve pro- common problems. Right. And the thing about the reason why I say this is uh, we called him a coven before or even now I call him the, uh, the cult of woke. Mm-hmm. It doesn't solve any problems. It's just, just to say that I'm part of a group to say that I'm part of a group. When you ask, well, what is twerking and being sexually promiscuous and um, uh, participating and de- uh, degrading behavior, how does that afford the culture? And that's not me. That's black men as a whole. And that's men as a whole and saying, how, how is this productive? Uh, it's not, especially when you're talking about the main goal of humans is to afford the human race. Uh, to multiply mm-hmm. uh, is counterproductive because you have uh, that same time you're taking viable candidates out of the mother pool and you're flipping them from a commodity money or a commodity to fiat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a classic pump and dump. <laughs> <laughs> Fitting in more ways than one. I know. That's right. And since we're going to go there, the the, the market is saturated with WAP. So it's like when you have what, because let's just talk about in the money terms. What's the whole appeal to uh, to crypto now? Where if you keep pumping, uh, printing fiat money, fiat, 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 or shit coins. Yes, it makes the value go down. Mm hmm. So you have to spend, you know, $10 where you used to have to spend $5. And, and this also simultaneously explains for people, uh, for musicians who don't understand it. Well, how mm-hmm. come there's only only a couple of, only a couple of hits? There's only a couple. There's only a couple of big hits. Why can't there be more? Why can't there be more uh, hits selling? Well, because you don't, I mean, that's, that dilutes the pool. So yes, and, and, they, they need to that keep the, works in the favor of the people that control the exactly the, the speak it exactly. <laughs> they want to keep that tight. They want to totally control that flow. Oh, I do like this analogy, Mo. This is very nice. Very yeah. nice. So what we have, like I said, what we have now is that the value of of this commodity or currency, whatever you want to call it, of, of WAP, is so low. That they have to do so much. You got to flood the zone. Yeah, you got to flood. That's why you see. That's why you see pornography going into a more violent, more. uh, It's not even sexual anymore. It's. um, It's. I mean, it's pretty much degrading. And you saw that with Fifty Shades of Grey. That kind of ushered in. uh, And like I said, I'm not condemning anybody wherever you're into. But we got to realize. Adults only are not watching this. Adults only were not listening to rap music. And like I said, our generation went through this as well mm-hmm. with rap music itself. Um, 
little boys walk past the, the, the magazine out, me being one of them, uh, in the grocery store. And it's like, that shapes your, oh, that's what a female body looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what is expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, now it's like, you have, like, the fiat is being printed at such a high rate. And then you're bringing, you're, the way you're flooding is, you're introducing more and more stocks into the market. Because it's like, oh, you're 15, 16 years old. Go for it. Do do your thing, you know? And it's like, well, uh, or at 18, like they did with Bad Barbie. Now, you know, it's so abundant that really guys don't even worry about sex anymore. They can get it. And the ones that can't get it are so tortured by it that you have people like the shooter in Georgia. The internet truly must be a dream for people who like to use this type of control. I mean, you can turn these spigots on. I mean, listen, hey, you know what? We we got a little bit too much porn out there. Um, all right, let's uh, de- let's demonetize Pornhub. Let's take away their credit card processing. Okay, good. All right, guys, we got the supply down a little bit. It's more powerful now. Just think about what you can do if you view and, it in that way. And what they did was, it's, I always go back to the Uber example. What they did was surge they pricing. It, they, they <laughs> that, and then they also <laughs> they also turned uh, uh, being a porn star into gig work. It's like we don't yeah. need stars and starlets anymore. Yeah. It's like you can, you know, you got some free hours instead. Hop on your computer, do a couple uh, cams, yeah, and you know, and make some quick quick cash. And it's like now you don't even have you know starlets anymore. Those kind of things and. Uh, so yeah, it did completely. I want to say this: the the rap market is at the all time low, and it's because there's no scarcity. No, yeah, no scarcity, um, and just an and just an abundance of uh, of 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 inflows. They they can con- oh man. Well, that's the same thing they do with diamonds, right? Diamonds are abundant. <laughs> we all we, we all know, but diamonds are abundant. It's just that they have a strong strong handle on how many come to the market each well, it's, year. It's even crazier that now they've they've mind controlled the diamond market, uh, the next version of diamond purchasers, into believing that it's better to have laboratory created diamonds because they're much more ethical. So now they are they are literally selling cubic zirconia. As diamonds at mm-hmm. diamond prices, they can just shut the mines. They don't, <laughs> don't need it anymore. People have been, so if, it's like here, here's this paper diamond, just like the dollar. Well, say if you so if you take that analogy and go forward with it, when you have uh, Android sex androids, it'll be the same thing. Just like what Uber's going to do with the driverless cars. We only need the drivers for a short period of time in our business model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I see the sex robots coming before the driverless car, to be quite honest. And what I mean by sex robot is, I'm not going to say, I mean, it's, I don't ever think it will get like iRobot, or at least in our lifetime, and maybe even our children's lifetime. No, it's VR I'm with attachments, this, baby. VR with, yeah, that, that, with USB exactly. devices. Yeah, of course. The, the experience. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't want to go off too far off on a uh, tangent away from culture and cults, but let's go back into uh, Dr. Amos Part 2. There's nothing sacred about holding a culture in the face of, you know, new, new events and new changes. Unless, of course, you're free to do that if you're willing also to accept suicide or death. And you have that right 
to that choice. You know, I tell people, you know, we have the right to say, look, we're going to hold on to this culture even if it kills us. But we should be what? Very conscious of our decision. We should not be holding on to it out of a misunderstanding of what culture is supposed to do. Ultimately, culture is supposed to solve problems and to meet the needs of the people. And a culture then has to be measured against those standards. And that's what black men are saying to black women specifically. And, and then overall, just what men are saying to women specifically is that this culture that you want, it's, it's, they want to have it both ways. And young men are saying, you know what? Well, if you want to take that route, then marriage is off the table. There's no need to, there's no need to get married. Why? Um, I can order uh, 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 intimacy like I order a pizza. That takes that need off the table. Uh, so why why would I continue in, in this uh, to participate in this uh, culture that we have of marriage and children and those things when you're bringing a when you're not bringing a uh, you're not bringing any commodity to the table that I'm interested yeah, in. Except the product, right? Your yeah. product is, is has been degraded. <laughs> Well, the, the quality has been degraded. So it really puts the uh, the separation of black men and women, uh, and and uh, and it's not going to stop there in a in mm-hmm. a in a hyper warp drive. Is because what you're seeing is men are saying, "I'm not going to," and, and and I'm not saying like this is not only black men, but the you're hearing it more on the black side because <clears throat> our politics is tied to you know our culture. And that's not. I think that's almost exclusive uh, in our in, in our group compared to any other group because you pretty much have a, a not an even split, but it's a split there. Whether it's uh, you know sixty forty seventy thirty in some groups, you know it's fifty fifty uh, liberal conservative kind of splits in other racial groups. Ours is you know you see it play out because no, you know what you your fifty years of feminism hasn't worked. Yeah. <laughs> Look at our communities. Look, look at, no, we're going to take control of our identity. Black men are saying this. We're going to take control of our identity. We're going to take control of the identity of the women we accept in our culture. Uh, and if you don't want to take part in that, that's why I brought up the Malcolm X thing. I'm sure he walked down Harlem streets every day and it was depicted in the movie, like I said, with Malcolm X, past streetwalkers, yeah. past working girls. He wasn't trying to save them. He saved his energy and resources and his time for people inside his culture, being, being being Muslim women. And it's the same thing now that we're saying, hey, go, go do that. You know, go do the, the Alistair Alice Crowley thing and do what thou will. And you want to do, you know, participate in all this um, sexual liberation. But with that comes, and this is where really the problem I have with it, with that comes increased STDs. Unplanned pregnancies. I mean, you listen to the, the lyrics of WAP. I make his pullout game weak, mm-hmm. meaning that I can trap him sexually in the mid, in, in the heat of the moment. And then you wonder why your uh, your single parent rates at seventy five percent and climbing. Yeah, it's this an, is this is this is witchcraft, man. Instru- <laughs> this is, this is an <laughs> instruction manual, basically. Yeah. So I, I, I just point all this out. So now the question is, what is the difference between uh, cult and culture? And it's answered by uh, Weinstein when he has a discussion with uh, 
with uh, Joe Rogan. When you say Catholicism is a cult, I don't agree because Catholicism historically must have been delivering messages that caused people to correct their thinking in ways that made them collaborate more effectively, that made them better able to find the opportunities in their environment. I'm not advocating that um, we should sign up for belief systems that are at odds with our modern environment. But one thing we can say, I believe for sure, is that religions that have stood the test of time did so because their value to the people who believed in them was so great that those that disbelieved were outcompeted. Can you play it last 10 seconds? One more time. I want people to hear what he actually said there. Um, Here it comes at yes. odds with our modern environment. But one thing we can say, I believe for sure, is that religions that have stood the test of time did so because their value to the people who believed in them was so great that those that disbelieved were outcompeted. Mm-hmm. So a culture is only valued by its results. And that's what Dr. Amos Wilson was saying. If your culture is not producing fruits... Yeah. Now you can you can hang on to it due to vanity reasons, but it's not producing it, any fruits. And that's not, what it, it won't Rosty survive. was saying. Yeah, but Rosty was saying a culture a religion, you could at least say, and I'm not saying I'm not pushing religion in the sense of that. And what and, and what I'm doing is I'm not speaking of Catholicism specifically in, in that clip. What I'm saying is these religions, if you want to say uh it is say in the black community, when you look at the NOI, uh you could say, well that some people may say that's a cult, but when you look at it, it's like, well, they do reform men from uh, from prison to be upstanding citizens. Uh, the, their women are uh, uh, children. They don't have a lot of children out of uh, hardly any out of wedlock. Uh, there's order and structure. It's their 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 belief system bear fruits. Uh, when you look at the cult of feminism or the culture, of, if you want to say it's a culture, what fruits has it bared? Well, this is uh, no coincidence that the very same people who promote the uh, um, the fiat, the fiat, uh, the fiat, the stallion, mm-hmm. are the same people who condemn Christianity and and, and supporters of communism or socialism. Which the same thing. Socialism, if you want to look at it as a, a political religion. Why why what? is it why is it the two knuckleheads have to explain this to the rest of the world on a podcast? <laughs> it's it's in the history books. This has this is not like a new thing. It has gone wrong before. Why us? Oh God. Cause it go it's it's teams. We yeah. go back to the binary thinking. It's like I'm a I'm a capitalist, I'm a socialist. Like, well, let's let's look at some nuance there. Yeah. And I, I've been saying this recently uh, uh, elsewhere that I am not 100% uh, against socialism. I think uh, what we should have is a strong safe, strong social safety net where people fall off, you know, lose their job or, or whatever, and, and it's strong enough where it bounces them back up. Uh, it, it's not a, what it is, it's not a, uh, it's not a safety net now. It's a, it's a hammock. Well, I it's mean, so loose it, that you fall in it and you fall asleep. The safety, it doesn't bounce you back up right, on the bar. Right. But, but if we're, if we're honest about it, the safety net was always family. The safety net was the church. That's where you also went for medical care. That's where the, you know, the nuns mm-hmm. said the sisters, um, right. 
that safety net became a philanthropy. The United States, incredibly philanthropic uh, people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now, of course, sadly, a lot of that philanthropy was also used for control. So although we have great medical care, it's gone completely overboard because choices have been made by early, early, old, old money. And, you know, that's why we're in this pharmaceutical nightmare. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that has been handed over to the government. And that was a reasonably slow process, um, which just makes it, uh, uh, you know, people are still, so you still have your safety net, just makes it much more inefficient, lots of corruption, uh, less personal. Uh, in the long run, I like the old the old way better, but there's obviously no mm-hmm. way back. Uh, but but for well, us- they, they, what, what, see, I don't I don't believe that because I think if people actually say what they believe <laughs> instead of what's expected of them, there is a way back. But it takes courage uh, to stand up against being canceled. And the point I'm, I'm not saying I support. I know people are gonna say, "Oh, he's a socialist now." <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that I'll, I'll put it like this. If you're going to give a family, uh, let's just say, let's do some quick math, uh, $50,000 over 20 years in welfare, food stamps, those kind of things. Why don't you shorten it up to five years, the same amount of money and get them back on their feet where they actually can retool a small business, those kind of things. It's like, no, you want them stuck in perpetual poverty (laughs) because there is a, there is a link. And I'm going to point that out in the next show, guaranteed, between the, the, the feminism mindset and the communist mindset. It's that I expect something for nothing. I expect not to uh, be a prime candidate for marriage, uh, but, and I want to go out here and do it, I will do what I want to do with my body. But at the end of the day, there will be a husband readily available, for, available to me when I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. That's the same mindset as, as communism. It's like, yeah, I want to go spend my money like I want to spend it, but uh, yeah, you're going to send me a stimulus check to bail me out at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Same mindset, yeah. and, and and they are they are bedfellows, strange bed, strange bedfellows, but bedfellows nonetheless. Um, so let's get into this last clip before we go into uh, into uh, donations break. I want to lay out this one thing, and Maxine shows her true colors in the sense of there are levels in the women hierarchy, uh, 26. Uh, when I think about you and you continuing your education, I said to myself, you know what? She doesn't have to go to nobody's school anymore. <laughs> She's got it. She's done it. She's got it made. So that is so absolutely uh, commendable that uh, you continue to focus on education when, you know, you don't have to. I mean, you know, people go to school to try to get to where you are. Huh. And here you are in this place and you're still, you know, paying attention to education. So that's uh, very, very commendable. My mother and my great-grandmother passed away uh, recently, but my grandmother is still alive, and she will whoop my butt. If, if, even me at 25, she will whoop my butt if I dropped out of college. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not only getting a degree for myself, I'm getting it for the women in my family who originally pushed me to go to school anyway. 
that's why I remember if you had, you know, grandmama, great grandmama, and mama, and all of that, I know what they said. Girl, get educated because they can't take it out of your head. They can't take it away from you if you get it. That's what they always said, right? Get Get, get my, my great grandmother will always say, "Get them papers." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, and 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 again, I, I commend you for continuing uh, to do that. And now I understand even more why it's important to you. You're not just doing it for yourself; you're doing it for them. Oh my goodness! You don't need, you don't need to don't get smart. You 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 just take the fast track shortcut. <laughs> You hear that? And then she had to backpedal on it because Megan, uh, Meg the Stallion, yeah. kind of said, no, uh, my grandma always told me uh, to get you st- stay in the books and get those papers. We got to get and that. Wanna- we got to get that Texas girl out of her. She's failing on the mission. We, we, we can't yeah. have that thinking. Don't say that yeah, to you Maxine. Can't have that. Yeah, and, and Maxine, you know what, though? Maxine realized, like, oh, you're one of us and not one of them. Mm. See, that's what she really realized. Like, oh, now I can talk to you. It's not that you're you're um flashing the pen. Uh, a, a, no, a sex worker parading around as a, uh, a intel, uh, intelligent woman. You're a uh, intelligent woman moon, moonlighting or or just using the sex to to level up. It's a difference. Mm-hmm. It's like you're know saying that the rumors around Kamala Harris. You know, saying I don't want to dabble in rumors. It's the same thing. You're an intellectual person. But you use sex as a weapon or as a tool to get where you want to go. So, so like, okay, I get it now. You're not one of them. Damn. You're- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but she that's interesting. So, because, so yeah, you know, not not only did she not only had she not seen the music video when she got involved in this, she also really mm-hmm. just thought that it was just you know a uh, an MK Ultra model that they put out there, and she was just doing her bit. And that and yeah, then talk to Cardi B, yeah, yeah and, <laughs> yeah, and then right there she realizes, oh, okay, and then she even has the audacity to say, "You did it for them." <sighs> That's also yeah. not a very but, positive message. Well, I'll say this: I, uh, the motivation for some black people is to make their elders and family members proud of them, because when they say get those papers. A degree once was seen as like freedom papers, mm. freedom from having to, to do uh, house labor, you know, washing, cleaning, those kind of things, or being a sexual object or being uh, a, a drug dealer. Not even that being tied to uh, I'm just speaking for women specifically being tied to a man and you have no freedom. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah. this is why education was pushed so hard. And, and to women in our community, because it's like if you have your money, you can at least. I mean, if you have your papers, you can at least go and make money on your own, and you're not uh, obligated to uh, be tied to a man or to have to participate into uh, in domestic work. Right. And so that's where her grandmother and you know and those people in Maxine age was go to college, get get something in your head, and that way, like I said, you won't be. Uh, uh, not not the word victim, but more of you won't have to. You're not obligated. You're not obligated to anybody. Right. Unfortunately, uh, culture in general, uh, internet culture, I'll just call it, has degraded mm-hmm. everyone. Uh, you can go into any any uh, grade school today and say, "What do you want to be?" And uh, probably a majority of the children will say, "Famous." 
or influencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything, what, anything, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter. And it, it, even if, honestly, if they had to study for five years, they'd still want to do that. But that's the goal. The goal is famous. Yeah. And, and that's understandable because that's what we put value in into this society. Yeah. Is the famous person. Uh, we don't celebrate the, the smart people. Uh, we celebrate the, the, the famous people. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with this and then, you know, we can um, move on. But degrees are the same way now. Degrees used to be backed up by something yeah, and meant so, something that you had a skill. You're so right. It went from commodity to fiat as well. It's like, yeah, you got a degree, but it's just clout. It's like, oh, I have a degree. And it's like, in what? What can you do? Well, I have a degree. And it said it had value, you know? <laughs> it's like, so what What skill does, what's your commodity? You know what I'm saying? What, what can you, when I get, you know what I'm saying? When you exercise that degree, what commodity am I going to get for it? What skill am I going to get for it? Uh, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's fiat. <laughs> well, I have a degree in gender studies. Okay. Yeah. Next customer, please. And now you have a bunch of people that's in debt and have, you know what I'm saying, have, yeah. uh, have a bunch of the, these fiat degrees as well. So, um. Yeah, as you know, we can't discuss this any, anywhere else, anywhere else but here. Uh, yes. So uh, that's why we appreciate we give you value, and hopefully you uh, you you see the value provided back to us. Yeah, and and so a couple things about that. One is uh, we love fiat money. There's no <laughs> while it's while it still lasts, we love the fiat money. But that's not why we show up to this to this party. Uh, it is these words that uh, have always motivated us. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And that is exactly what we do here on MoFax with Adam Curry. And it is... uh Indeed, value for value. Talked about that in the beginning of the show. So the way you can uh, support us is just by considering what value the show brings to you and then Mm -hmm. put a number onto it. That's that's really all that it is. I mean, you're listening for a couple hours an episode. Uh, It may uh, it may be uh, equal to a college course for some. For others, it's just uh, another hip hop album. I mean, (laughs) whatever that value is. Uh, put it into a into a, into PayPal, or you can uh, use any of the Value for Value apps, um, which stream in real time, and you can boost us with any amount. There's, uh, it's all in the show notes at uh, uh, mofax.com, or you can look at uh, the previous shows, archive uh, mofax.com. Uh, but what we like to do, at least somewhere in the program, is thank the people who came in with uh, with solid support for the show. Uh, this does come in through uh, our donation page at mofax.com. You can go directly to that at mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And uh, we're going to start right off today with the big baller of the show. Baller, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. Clayton Bowers comes in with $333.33 as a donation. That's really, really kind. You are the big baller and executive producer for episode number 63. And Clayton says, hey, Mo and Adam, really enjoying the show. I'm a giant fan of No Agenda as well, but figured I would uh, I would like this show to get the support it needs for you guys to do episodes more often. 
Hopefully this helps. Everything helps. Everything. Mo, you are inspiring to this straight white male raising white children in this world that wants me to tell them that they are evil for their skin color. Please keep doing the work. Uh, he wants to be dead, de- deadbeated, and if possible, he wants to be hooked up with a moat karma, which is a goat plus mo karma. Yeah, I think we can do that. Let's see if we uh, take care of you here. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. <laughs> You've got mo karma. <laughs> Philip Brown, $115, half a yard, value for value. Half a yard. Am I, am I, what am I, half a yard, value for value? Half a yard because dogs are people too. A hemi on the X spot and five on it. Okay. <laughs> wow, this is good code. I love it. Uh, he is uh, Kilo, I think it's uh, Kilo India 5, November Tango Yankee, ham radio operator, 73s, Kilo 5 Alpha Charlie Charlie. Hey, that's what, we need more black ham radio operators, Mo. We got to recruit you into the, into the ranks of the ham. It's, I think it's a white, white guy you, thing. You know, I'm realizing there's too many. There's no diversity in ham radio. <laughs> we should, I see the tags all the time. It's like <laughs> we, we should get that going. <laughs> uh, Philip, thank you very much, man. No, very nice. 73s. Martin Olson, $100, also executive producer. He said, heard the episode 62. And when you pointed out how they changed Chauvin's name to cast a spell, which, of course, was. Uh, now it's uh, it was uh, Chauvin, then it became uh, Chauvin. It was Chauvin. Chauvin, it right. Was Chauvin, Chauvin and then the sh- Chauvin, right. Chauvin first yeah, Chauvin. to Chauvin for Chauvinist. Uh, he says, that I, when, it, when you told me that they changed his name to cast a spell, and by the way, that is an excellent, that was the spell moment, uh, Mo, when I think about it. Mm-hmm. That was all it took. That and some, you know, a frog's leg. When they changed uh, Chauvin's name, Chauvin's name to cast a spell, I knew I had to send some value. Thank you for all you do. We appreciate it, Martin. Value received and appreciated. Same from Todd Webster, $100. I'm having a hard time putting into words how I felt after Pink Elephant. Uh, was that 62? Yes. Yes. In some ways, my heart is broke because of my own shortcomings. It, it, you know... That was an emotional episode, actually. That was emotional for us, too. And I know a lot of people got to the end of that and felt it, man, we, and felt you in, in particular, Mo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, we used to say that's a legendary radio moment, but I think that's a podcast moment that, that will go down in history, and I'm glad we have it uh, codified. Uh, continuing with Todd, my, my heart is broke because of my own shortcomings. In another way, I see a bright light shining over us as we begin to understand. Absolutely. Thank you, Mo, for what you have brought to me through your experiences and research thus far. This far, keep it coming. We'll be here. Cheers, brother, from Farmer Todd. Thank you, Todd. It's the notes, man. The notes really. It, 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 it is the notes. <laughs> it really is. You know, whenever someone sends notes, it's like ah, <clears throat> that. That is very. The notes are very valuable by themselves. Uh, Anthony Niss, $100 for show 63, he says. Thank you. You're right there, man. Mesquita, Mesquita, 6333, show show number donation. And uh, Mesquita says, first of all, D, deadbeat me. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Hello from the commie state of Massachusetts. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for the job you both do. Listening to your conversation is a breath of fresh air, and each episode is a, a breath of fresh air. And each episode is a learning experience. Please send me some Mo Karma and a Wusa. Uh, sincerely, Santiago Mesquita. Uh, it's never the changes we want that changes everything, is his little quote there. So, uh, yes, we got a Mo Karma and we got a Wusa. We'll kick that off here. Wusa. You've got Mo Karma. Couple more show number donations, episode donations. $63 from James Reed Smith. Really interesting talk on cults on the last uh, episode. Uh, AC's value for value donation system is the original NFT. <laughs> uh, you know, we have so much planned for this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't know how much to donate, so I figured the next show number was as good as any. Yeah, this is the year we professionalize. I'm going to take this global. Thank you, Global Mo. First year was Brandon. First year was Brandon. Second year is Ben. There you go. Uh, Benny the Butcher. <laughs> Kylie Stefano, <laughs> Stefano, $63. Thank you. Dame Girl Kylie. Yes. <laughs> She's been a, a supporter of uh, the No Agenda show and, and, and other podcasts. And I think we uh, misgendered her many times. From Kylie to Kyle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now she just, she's just coming right. Damn girl. Girl. Girl, Kylie. <laughs> and good to see you here, Kylie. Thank you. Chris Bailey, $63. Uh, Timothy Kiernan, uh, $63. The final show episode uh, donation there. Demo and Adam, thank you for your episodes. They're always worth the wait. May I have some Mo Karma? Thank you. All the best, Sir Timothy of No Fixed Title. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. And we have some associate executive producers to thank as well. Uh, we have uh, Michael Rohrer with $54. Eric Hochul from Deutschland, $52. James uh, Fredericks with fifty-one fifty. Check out the Trayvon hoax, Unmasking the Witness Fraud that Divided America documentary. Uh, did you take a look at that, Mo, by any chance? Have you seen No, that I haven't. Uh, I, <clears throat> I follow that case pretty closely, so I know about most of the details in the case, but I will check it out to... Um, and that, that was the original one. Like we talked about uh, George Floyd in last episode, the Trayvon Martin case was the original. Um, I, I don't use this word uh, lightly, and I didn't use it previously in the show. Uh, the original snuff film that they all, um, it was a form of uh, pornography that they used to, to uh, just mind control people. Very, very troubling. Very troubling. The, uh, Yes. Uh, and he says, thanks, Chaka Gump. And by the way, I want to go back to Eric Hochul. His note got put in the wrong field, but I didn't want to miss it up. He said, God bless you, sir. So never want to miss that one. That. Yeah, no, it's okay. I just want to make sure we got it out. <laughs> um, Ryan Summer, $50. First donation to my other favorite podcast. I'm a JRE to NA to MoFax listener. That's a... Uh, uh, what do we call that? Jonamo. Jonamo. There you go. Jonamo. MoFax has quickly become my only must-listen podcast other than No Agenda. I'm really impressed with the level of detail and research that goes into your shows, and I always come away with more knowledge than I had before. P.S. I was also checking out your music on SoundCloud. That's for you, Mo. Uh, you should promote mm-hmm. that more during the podcast. Great stuff. As I said, lots coming this year. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> As Xenophon Wolfmoon, fifty dollars. 
And Xenophon says, hard to put a value on something that is priceless, so here's a 50. Semper Fi. Okay, thank you very much, and thank you for your Hold on, I got to go back to that last note and just make a make a uh, point of when things, when uh, markets become saturated. When I first got into music, being a music producer was a very lucrative, you know, endeavor, even if you were saying we're semi-professional. But once they gave everybody access to start making music, People started selling beats like five beats for ninety nine cents. You know, it just it just <laughs> take it just my stem, take my stem, <laughs> right? So it was like, you know what? Uh, but I love I love music. I always will make music. But it, I'm just showing that that when you saturate a market, it it, uh, it destabilizes it in in a, in a very bad way. Yes, and also we're waiting for um, for my uh, theremin playing to get a little better. Oh yes. <laughs> So that we can do a joint. All right. Uh, on to Off the Beaten Path Tours. $50. I discovered your show thanks to the No Agenda podcast. I've devoured for 14 episodes in the past seven days. It's a binge. Uh, I found you thanks to the No Agenda podcast. I love what you're doing. I appreciate all of the hard work. What you're doing is important. God bless you and your family. You and Adam Curry are a perfect pair. Uh, oh, it's actually from Paula N. Thank you. Well, in the legendary words of Stacey Lattisaw and Johnny Gill, we are the perfect combination. <laughs> $50 dating myself, I know. $50 from Chris uh, wants a D-dead beating, Woosah and a Mo Karma, you bet. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Our final associate executive producer. He always is here to support the show. Uh, Elvis, the chef Rosenberg, and he wants his cancel cannon. <laughs> and that winds up our executive and associate executive producers for episode sixty-three of MoFax with Adam Curry. Value for value, where uh, man, we we not only value you supporting us uh, with the actual treasure, but, uh, the notes, man, it's really, it, it, it's such a motivating factor. Uh, keep doing that. If you'd like to support the show, be a part of, uh, something that I find is very unique and you see other people trying to come up with versions of it. I see you, Bruce Springsteen and Obama. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, then please support us by going to mofax.com. Go directly to the donation page at mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And thank you again for supporting MoFax with Adam Curry. So now we get into, we, as we always do, we have to look backwards to get context for, you know, what's going on today. And you said Maxine Waters was what, was how old? 82. I just want to get 82. So that's me. In 1972, she was, uh, quick math, 72, 30, uh, about 20. Is that right? Oh, oh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't playing along. Uh, yeah. no, she'd have to be older than that. So what's... In 72? Yeah, so we... <laughs> This is okay. This is probably the worst, the worst thing we've ever done. So we take 2021 minus 1972, 49. She was 49 and 72? Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. 82 is up there, man. 
No, because I didn't know she was that old. She looks good for her age. I got to give it to her. I thought she was in like her 60s or something. All right, Maxine, I hear you, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the compliments you're going to get. They say, don't crack. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> she, she, she definitely been using lotion. Yeah, so, um, so Maxine will be the age of the mother in this uh, movie. And the movie I'm referring to is uh, Black Girl which was made in 1972. That's why the year was important. Uh, and what it's going to do is shine uh, a light on what the expectation of education was of somebody Maxine Waters' age in that time. Ellington, where do you think you're going? You better come on back in here and wash these dishes. Wash me stuff. You ain't doing nothing. Oh, y'all stop all that foolishness. I'll do them myself. Oh, my dear. Now, you need your rest. You don't need to be washing dishes behind nobody. And Billy Jean ain't doing nothing. Oh, I don't mind. Besides, Rosie wants Billy Jean to tend to her books on the weekend. What books? That old loud music that's been playing in her room the past two months ain't been coming out no books. Well, maybe she can study with the music on. That's right, man. Oh, Billy Jean, now you know you didn't quit school. Done quit school? Billy Jean, you mean you've been leaving here every morning with your books like you was going to school and you ain't been going? She can't say nothing because she knows it's true. My Lord, my Lord. Well, there ain't no use you throwing things around like you're mad at me. Well, what are you going to do when Rosie finds out about it? Oh, have mercy. Y'all get mad when Rosie takes on about Netta, so. But maybe the reason why she does it is because now one of y'all don't seem to want to get nothing in your own heads. Wow, I have never heard of this movie. So to set it up, and I set it up for you, sorry about that, with the with the math, I didn't want to be racist, so. Our math calculation was definitely racist. Yeah, <laughs> we messed that one up bad. <laughs> it had a definite answer to it. But, I mean, hey, nowadays, you don't, you don't have to have a right answer. So, anyway, um, you have Billie Jean, which is maybe a 16-year-old girl, 16, 17. You have her two sisters. Uh, you have her mo- her grandmother, Madea. Um uh, yeah hello yes 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 yeah got it and then you have rosie who is her mother and the dynamic in the house is billy jean has a different father than her other two sisters so she's treated like the, the you know the black sheep of the family uh her other two sisters gang up on her and that's what you heard one of her sisters ratting her out to my dear that she had been um she had dropped out of school and she had been doing other things with her time instead uh, instead of going to school every day so you heard what my dear said. She's like, uh, and it's one more character. It's uh, it's um, a a, tra- a girl without a home that uh, Rosie took on mm-hmm. uh, that she was raising as her own daughter. And Rosie had, and, and we're gonna get more into this movie, but Rosie had opened her house up for girls that were you know kind of like didn't have a place to go, and she would take care of them in the hopes that she could get a girl that would get an education and kind of save her mm-hmm. and, and give her status in the community. So that's, that's the setup. I'm sorry for the sort poor setup, but that's what's going on here. Billie Jean's dropped out of school. Her sisters know about it. Mondia and Rosie don't. And, um, we see the scene unfold now with, uh, I believe this is when Rosie finds out that Billie Jean has dropped out of school. I know damn well you ain't accusing me of breaking no record. You better not be accusing me. Y'all got my uniform ready and everything. Oh, 
thought she could have had it ready by now, Mama. What is going on in here? Oh, she's starting some old mess about a damn record, Mama. Mama, somebody broke the record I've been practicing my dancing with. Girl, I don't want to hear nothing about no darn dancing. I done told you that mess you're doing ain't nothing. Now, what the devil you keep on carrying on about it for? Norma Faye, why don't you and Ruth Ann make Billie Jean get on with her schoolwork? Then she wouldn't have time to be popping her tail. Ain't <laughs> no schoolwork to get, because Billie Jean done quit. What? Billie Jean, you mean to tell me you done quit school? This teacher was picking on me, Mama. What teacher, Billie Jean? And don't stand there and lie to me. I'm not lying, Mama. Then how come you didn't come and tell me about it? Oh, there's something else to this. And I'm going up to that school and find out what it is. She thinks she's grown, Mama. You can't tell her nothing. If I wasn't already halfway late to work, get out of my face! Wow, okay. So, so go ahead, go ahead. Well, it seemed like the push for education was pretty strong back then. Because that was your only freedom. Yeah. For doing domestic work or as she said, popping your tail. I know. Uh, I was like and, twerking right there. There it is. 1972's twerk word. Yes. Uh, and that was highly frowned upon that, you know, you use your body or sexuality to make money. That that lowered your, lowered your standard in society, even under a domestic worker. Um, you know, so it was educated, domestic work, and then, you know, sexual work in these times. So, yeah. So, I mean, I thought this was a great, uh, piece to go back in time and look at you know how a woman Maxine Water age would value um, education, and you hear how Rosie is invested in it. It's like you can get something. Uh, even my dear, get something between your ears, get something in your head, so you won't be a victim and have to pop your tail to make uh, <laughs> uh make money. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, exactly. Right. Like they can't take it out of your head. I think was the, the they line. can't take it out of your head. Yeah, and that, like that. you know what? That wasn't exclusive to women. That was. Sure, uh, sure. That was exclusive to all black children. Like they can't take it away from you. <laughs> hmm. If you get it in your head, that's something they can't take away from you. Uh, and it brought pride to the family. My grandmothers had they they love to say, and you you. There's no look on a grandmother's face, especially a black grandmother, to say, "Baby, my baby went and got through schools, got a school, especially in computers." Oh, he do something to computers. I don't know, child. He's smart. When, <laughs> if they can say that, that's the pinnacle of joy and pride. I'm, I'm being serious. Of course, it of course. I know. I believe but you. But I, I just see my grandmother's look on her face when she would tell her friends that her grandchild was going to school or going to college for computers. No idea what I was doing. No, I nothing. Uh, but the fact that you no, know, that was a sense of you know. Uh, living through you vicariously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what uh, Rosie wanted from Netta to experience that, to say, I get to live through yeah. this adoptive girl. And it wasn't legally adoptive. It's just, I'm giving this child a place to live in hopes that I can say I took part in her education. Right. And you have, a, you have a lot of this in our community where people live vicariously through uh, the achievement of others, which is natural when you want to see your, you know, your people do well. Um, what was uh, it was interesting in this particular scenario is that it was pretty much about the same two things that uh, uh, Fiat the Stallion and uh, and Reverend Maxine were talking about: mm-hmm. uh, study or or 
popping the tail dancing to the record. I mean, it's the same damn thing. Oh, it gets deeper. 30. Because you're smelling a piss, that's all. And you're getting your tail out of this house tomorrow and finding yourself a job. She already got a job, mama. Already got one? Where? At the Groovy Bar and Grill down in Second Ward. At the Groovy Bar and Grill? Doing what? Doing that ballet dancing. It ain't no ballet dancing. P-A-L-L-E-T is palette, ain't it? Well, B-A-L-L-E-T gots to be ballet. It ain't even that kind of dancing. Billie Jean, have you started this mess yet? I just worked three nights. Well, how come I'm just not hearing about it? Well, I thought she had done told you about it, Mama. It's a job. I didn't see no reason for her to be hiding no job unless it's something else she doing. I was going to tell you, Mama. Well, you was going to tell me. After I got my first week's pay, I was going to come You home. ain't going to see no week at that place, Billie Jean. Now, you know I don't approve of that, that, that dancing mess know how. And shaking your tail at the groovy grill of all places. Now, you know I didn't raise none of y'all like that. And them men don't want to be looking at no belly dancing know how. They want to see some strip tea, baby. Billie Jean, how much is you getting for this mess? Three dollars a night, Mama. Three dollars a night. But I get tips, Mama. Tips? I don't care how many tips you get, Billie Jean. You better tip your ass over there sometime today and get what that man owes you. And I bet not ever hear of you going in no place like that again unless you got a husband to take you in one. Yeah. So that just pr- provides perspective of using your body to make money versus education. And this just lends more to what I'm saying about Maxine Waters being disingenuous. Yeah, just within one lifetime, <laughs> uh, she gets to the point where she is. Because if you do the math, I mean, she's the same age as Rosie. Yeah. And, 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 and this are around that same generation. And it was looked down upon that you're going to go into a groovy bar and uh, you know, shake uh, your tail. Yeah, shake your tail. Even and and the thing was, Billie Jean was doing ballet dance moves, yeah. but it was it wasn't how it was what you were doing. It was how it was perceived. And these girls and these and women, excuse me, uh, in these in the rap industry and things of that nature, think it's artistic. <laughs> It's like, well, it's art. It's not uh, raunchiness, where it was. Now it's just pure raunch. Um, they look at it the same way. Well, it's not it's, it's not harmful. I'm just stripping. I'm just stripping. So that just shows you in 1972 uh, how this thing was perceived. Now we fast forward almost 25 years later, enters Players Club. Now, Players Club is a very um, iconic film in the black community because it was the merging of the two things of education and dancing. And, and this is kind of where, it, I know it's not this, the, the genesis of it, but, but where it became popularized of dancing your way through school. Mm. And it was a very fine piece of propaganda they put together there. And ironically, it involves Ice Cube. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So uh, let's just go ahead and hear the uh the movie review on players club you could be making a lot more money than what you're making up in here if you would just use what you got to get what you want to stop messing with this chump change and what's that supposed to mean just what it sound like in 1995 it was showgirls in 96 we got striptease and in 1997 it was full monty 
All our movies about strippers. Then comes 1998, and Ice Cube released The Players Club. This is a story about the stripper's method. Diamond is only stripping to pay her tuition. Based on the strip club scene in Atlanta in the early 90s, you know the freak Nick era. What's it about? How a college journalism major looks back when she was fresh out of high school and became a stripper to support her son and to get through college. Meanwhile, her cousin Ebony moves in and wants to be just like Diamond is on the pole. But isn't mature enough yet. Together, they transverse the labyrinth of the Players Club in hopes of meeting their goals. Characters. Diane Diamond Armstrong is an ambitious college student studying journalism. She's sweet and a little naive in nature, and she's only stripping temporarily to get through college. Her plan is to study by day and strip by night. Then she's done. She's kind of like that stripper superhero Pam Anderson played. Ebony is Diamond's fast little cousin. Little does she know, her mother asked Diamond to look out for her. She has Diamond's ambition, but not her morals. She's paid to play all the way. Ronnie? That chick was a... Ronnie was a bisexual predator stripper. Taking advantage of young girls like Diamond repeatedly. Ah. <laughs> wow, another so movie. Diamond another became, movie I gotta see. <laughs> so Diamond became the... Uh, the oh, what's the icon or either the caricature, uh, caricature of the yeah I'm stripping my way through school and I'm, I'm using what I got to get what I want and that kind of mindset and it kind of made it okay to be a stripper then it was in the 90s it was still looked down upon but it was well if you're doing what you got to do to, uh, to get to a better life, then it's understandable. And, but, and this thing was, this talking point was used uh, by a lot of women uh, about stripping. Well, the ramp up was interesting in that review. Uh, all, you, all these movies that you had about stripping and it ramped right up to, to the Players Club. I mean, that's interesting because I remember, I remember when uh, Striptease came out and Full Monty and, you know, it was a desensitization, of course, and, uh, intentional or not uh, and you you get to players club it's like boom everything's wide open i guess and they in 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 one of the movies i think they pointed out was showgirls showgirls yeah that's it which uh featured if you remember say by the bell it was jesse who was the smart borderline feminist in saved by the bell that end up being used as the stripper mm. in showgirls so yeah. if you had little girls uh, idolizing or identifying through Jesse, because in that show, say by the bell, they had clear archetypes, right? It was uh, the the jokester or the or the funny guy Zach. Right. right. You had AC Slater as the um, as the jock. Uh, you had Screech as the nerd. You had um, <laughs> Lisa Turtle as the self-absorbed Black Valley girl, and you had Lisa. Um, um, you had Kelly as the you know prototypical cheerleader who gets the cool guy, and then you had Jesse, which I forget the actress name, but she was the I'm going to do the books and I'm going to be smart and I'm you know uh, pushing all kind of uh, political causes and that kind of thing at the school. And they, it's funny that they use her for the showgirls. Yeah, yeah. Is it Elizabeth Berkeley? Is it, yes. is, is it funny or is it uh, planned? <laughs> you, you just got to look at this stuff and think, wow, you know, hmm. It, it, 
and, and, and you know what? That's something I have to, I look at all the time because I see these character, character archetypes played out through generational roles. And it's, you know, they'll take a character and develop them in different movies. And it's like, they're progressing through life yes, um, yes. on the screen. And it's where, and what happens is we as humans, we identify and live through people. Sure. So it's like, if you identify, say with, uh, just take Queen Latifah, for instance, if you look at Queen Latifah, she brushed it on the seat. And I just, it's sort of a, ten, uh, 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 I'm digressing a little bit, but I just want to lay this out with Queen Latifah because you pointed it out and I'm glad you did because it gave me a great opening to point, point this, uh, this, uh, trend I see. So Queen Latifah, she came on the scene as the, a positive rapper. She didn't show her body off, that kind of thing. Yep. Then in player, I mean, excuse me, in house party two, she played a hardcore feminist, uh, that, you know, she was trying to, uh, woo one of the main characters in, uh, uh, house party. Oh, you don't need no man. You need to focus on your books. You know what I'm saying? Men are going to get you in trouble, that kind of thing. And so it's pertinent to the story. Then she goes from there. And then she's rolled into this show called living single. Mm-hmm. Living single is about women of the um, modern day '90s women. Um, it's a '90 kind of world. And I'm glad I got my girls. Uh, they're all living together, and you know they have these archetypes in that show. And then, like I said, you fast forward, and then I'm gonna possibly get into a girls trip where now Queen and let me back up and and living single. Queen Latifah plays the owner of a, a magazine company called Flavor. Now you fast forward to girls trip. It's like these women have gotten older and now she's this struggling blogger that has lost her, her magazine. So that's what I'm saying. It's like they play these characters out right in front of our face in all of these different, um, movies, but it's the same theme or the same, uh, character or character, character archetype across all the, you know, all the brands of franchises. I have not seen it yet, but now she is the equalizer. Yeah, she's the lonely woman that has to go beat up men. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the role, right? And it's like, that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, but I don't know. No, 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 no. It's, uh, it just, you know, assets, commodities, commodities. You can use these commodities in all kinds of ways. And that's, I think well, that's the realization. Well, Hollywood starlets have always been commodities, right? But I mean, it, that's- it, it just—it doesn't look that way anymore because it's all broken up into studios and uh, um, and then there's William Morris Entertainment and you know. Although that's mm-hmm. getting a, it's now now that we're, the studios were broken up uh, back in the day, a lot of it was for for women. You know, it's like you had to break up the studios and make them smaller because no, you know it was it was totally abusive. And what's happening today is they're rolling it all right back up again. There's really going to be two companies, <laughs> three companies tops that own everything, and they will be the studio system. And they'll just use mm-hmm. these commodities like they did back in the early days of Hollywood. They're right back where they wanted to be under the guise of equity, equality, empowerment, and all of that. It's a great, great spell. And it'll, and it'll be one feeder system, which is Disney, <clears throat> which has yep. all the all the pretty much. budding starlets. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's much. Like, it's right back to right back to where they started. Yeah. Uh, so going back to Players Club, let's get into the second part of the review. Ronnie, 
That chick was a... Ronnie was a bisexual predator stripper, taking advantage of young girls like Diamond repeatedly. She kept testing Diamond to see how far she can well, take let's it. let's go home. What? Look, that's exactly what they're about to call you upstairs, so you might as well get used to it. Trix is the oldest stripper at the Players Club. She's been ridden hard and put away wet. She's the better sidekick of Ronnie. Blue is a disgruntled DJ. The only one in the club that's not a creep. Because of the bad deal between Dollar Bill and him, he's damn near working for free. I just don't think it's fair that you charge me 25% interest on the money that you loan me when you already take 30% out of my check. When was this stripping game, partner? Dollar Bill is the owner of the Players Club. He borrowed 60 G's from this gangster named St. Louis and hasn't made a payment. Bernie Mac hands down is the standout of this film, as Dollar Bill. With his Chi-Town colloquialisms, his story about how stripping started is funny enough to be true. Stripping business started in Africa. Long time ago, long, long, long time ago, white men went to Africa. You <laughs> saw these beautiful black women walking around. <laughs> sure. That's how it started. <laughs> so, well, there is a uh, list. Let's listen to the whole uh, history as laid out by the late uh, great Bernie Mac uh, in this in this movie, and it's the history lesson uh, in the strip game. Stripping business started in Africa long time ago. Long, long, long time ago, white men went to Africa, and he saw these beautiful black women walking around, singing, dancing, working, living in the nude, fucking naked. You can see they public hairs. This white man went from village to village to seek out these beautiful black women, watching them perform in the new tennis age. Free. White man got an idea. He figured he gonna go back to Europe and start the same type of business take away from my black women's. Try to get those white bitches to dance the same identical way, huh? But to no avail. Wasn't no shame in our black women. Wasn't no shame in them walking around bucking naked. So he went over the years, tried to start the same thing, but it didn't happen. The white bitches told him the most beautiful words you ever want to hear in our profession. What's she say? Baby, the white bitches looked at that white man dead in the eye and told him, fuck that. Pay me. <laughs> That's why I get 30%. <laughs> When can I start? Immediately. Hmm. So, in all jest, there is some truth into that story. Uh, you want to? You got anything you want to say? You want to get right into it? No, go go for it. Uh, I'm all ears. Okay, I am Sarah Bart. I mean, I am Sarah Bartman. I was of the coy son women. Coy, coy, we see. We were known for our labia. Labia, you say? All the lips of our vagina. They were unusually large. Too much information? I think so too. That was not meant for you to know. But thanks to the infamous Alexander Dolop, you almost know everything there is to know about me. My name was Sarte. Sarte Bartman. Easy for you to understand. Sarah. Sarah Bartman. I loved my body. 
cherished it. Dunlop promised I would return to South Africa a very rich woman. And I believe him. I did not think for one second that the day I say yes to him, I would be forced to give up my very soul. Okay, this does go back to the Dutch, actually. I am Sarah Bartman. Sarah Bartman uh, was paraded around Europe because Mm -hmm. of her large buttocks Mm -hmm. and other female parts by a man named Dunlop. The only difference was she voluntarily did it. That's why I said there's some truth (laughs) and jest of, of... the exploitation of of women, but it was voluntary. Well, that's very interesting because I, you know, while uh, the clips were playing, I was also you know, I looked up the history of uh, striptease, which takes you back mm-hmm. to burlesque, of course, and uh, uh, and some other earlier uh, time periods. But Sarah Bartman, actually, her name was Sartje. Uh, mm-hmm. She was from South Africa, which is why there's a Dutch connection. Uh, mm-hmm. She lives in the uh, late 1700s, and when she was taken around, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia here, uh, the objectification of their of their buttocks were exhibited as freak show attractions in 19th century Europe, so that definitely uh, you know, predates the burlesque period. And then mm-hmm. here's the interesting part for any of our, and now we have some Dutch producers out there, Um she traveled around Europe under the name Hottentot, which is a, a a phrase still used today in a derogatory term towards women in the Netherlands. I, I, this is a, I, uh, this is a uh, uh, a history I was not aware of. This is really uh, thanks, Mo. And some people would even say that Hottentot, how you say it, is kind of yeah. the, uh, the origin of thought. Some some have made that connection. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh. But it goes deeper. It goes deeper. Why 35. Not? <laughs> they stuff me in tight stocking, decorate me in beads, put feathers on me, and paint my face as I dance like animal before them. I sing. I sang in humiliation in my very own native tongue and was repulsed as I was made to sing the European folk songs as well. Their puppet. I was no longer Sarah. She did not exist anymore. I was hot and taught Venus. I'll never forget their eyes rolling up and down my thighs. The six miles as they look upon the buttocks God gave me for me and my offspring that I will never have the pleasure to know. My body was exhibit. The Brits were obsessed with buttocks, rumps. The white women even tried to pump up their bottoms to look like mine. Oh my God! This is just history repeating itself. This is fantastic. Oh my God! And her name was Hottentot Venus. Yes. Who is Venus, the mother goddess? Mm-hmm. 
And then you say, why do... And she said it herself. Her body was meant for her and her husband. Right. If you go out here and she was no longer herself, Megan Thee Stallion is no longer herself, Little Kim was no longer herself, Foxy Brown was no longer herself, and oh, go so... You don't go by your real name. You the go by your stage inter- name. The interesting thing is, Maxine Waters, the reverend, she is she is motivating Megan the Stallion, and she was also uh, alive to motivate Sarah Hottentot. That's how old Maxine Waters is. She's she is the missing link. <laughs> no, but she she knows about the objectification of black women. This is not. This is. And and the untold and the un well this isn't this this is an untold story to me so this is a huge revelation and I really appreciate this one and what I'm going and, and what I want to point out is the slavery narrative or story however you want to look at it sexuality is a huge part of it it's the it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about nobody because it was. That was part of slavery, that you're an object. <laughs> you're to be used well, any and, way possible well, I mean, or, we, or any way as seen. Yeah, we only need to look at, at BDSM culture to understand that that's very logical that uh, that was taking place uh, back in the uh, the OG days of slavery and has never stopped. And And the sad kind of thing is that what some people do in Fifty Shades of Grey or that idea between... Uh, consenting responsible adults uh, is mirrored exactly that way with non-consenting people today all over the world. But going as far back as what we're talking about here and beyond, I'm sure. And I'm going to foreshadow a little bit into the next episode. The corset. (laughs) It was meant to be shedded in the 1920s by the flappers. Now the corset is synonymous with sex work. Yeah. So you see how we come 360? It's like the very thing that women want to be freed from is it's the it's the one of the most iconic pieces of of uh uh, uh wardrobe or apparel that represents sex work. And yeah, you know, but it is it's almost no different from the years and years of uh, campaigning and work that women put into getting women's sports just for women yep. and only to enter the 2000s and, hey, there's dudes popping up. And, and I want to be respectful. I have no problem mm-hmm. with trans. Uh, I grew up in Amsterdam, so I've been exposed to this for a very long time. But um, clearly there's some physical issues that just don't make sense. And and those women are being shouted down. They can't even forget forget even if it's true or not. They can't even have the conversation. Say, hold on a second. And so they kind of work themselves right into that which they fought so hard against. <laughs> and and to bussy again. That it, bussy. It, it's bussy. it's a it's a it's a it's a competitor. It's, it's, it's competition. You introduce competition because men are looking at trans women as real women. And you've made, you know, more competition for yourself, which, it, I mean, it just be synonymous with the sports. It, may, it, it makes it doesn't make any logical sense. And I'm just going to say from this, the sports aspect of it, sport is about competition and fair competition. 
You don't put a 250-pound boxer in the ring with a 180-pound no. no. boxer. No. It's, it doesn't say, oh, one guy's lesser or more or better boxer, right? It's just that if we want to have fair competition, let's put people with the same physical abilities yeah. uh, and, and see who, you know. So that, just, that doesn't even have to talk about gender there. It's just the point of let's let people to compete with their own, you know, class uh, yeah. of of competition. So, um... I have, a, I have a pro tip, by the way. A, a yes. pro tip, if you're Googling bussy, do not click on the images uh, tab. Yeah, pro please don't. Pro, uh, pro tip. <laughs> I, I should have warned you. Sorry about that. All right, pro tip. Uh, uh, so we got to go into this obsession with large buttocks. Uh, we've seen Kim Kardashian, and it's amazing how... They use Kim Kardashian to you bring in the the large buttocks. It's, it's like if you gonna have a representative, at least have a black woman representative. You know what I mean? If, yeah, if, that is, if that, you're that saying is, it's positive, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, and and the thing is, Kim Kardashian actually mimicked uh, Sarah Bartman uh, on Warner on a magazine cover. Yes, that is which the, was that like is, a double smack. That, so like, what? that's the well. By the way, the first woman to do that in pop music, I believe, was Grace Jones. Yes. But I'm only realizing now that that is Sarah Bartman. Yes. And I've... Uh, <sighs> and these things become mainstream and acceptable in a short amount of time. But it's, the, sa- see- it's, the, it's the slavery thing that has been, I mean, that has been replicated throughout popular culture. And I've been a part of it. And no one has ever told me this. And no, just think though, we're shouted down. We're like, hold on, sister. Like, like, I'll show everybody you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you. Yeah. But no, <laughs> uh-huh. my liberal teachers, my liberals, uh, my feminist teachers said I have the right to show my body off and not to be judged. And we're saying it don't work like that, sister. It don't. It don't work like that. Wow. It, that's not how it works. Uh, and that's where the frustration comes in and this war between black men and black women. And it's going to spread mm. if it's not spreading already. That is the frustration is men is like, you know what? I'm checking out. Yeah. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to marry. I don't want to marry. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Yeah, it's very. It's, uh, and, and, and is that is that saturation point now there? Is that what's happening? Oh, yes. Oh, we're going to get. Uh, <laughs> this is just a new. This is just the beginning of a whole new. Stay tuned. Conversation Stay tuned for part two of this fabulous, <laughs> fabulous journey. <laughs> so with that said, let's get into uh, my toxic obsession. This is a story about a woman who defined herself by her external how she looked on the outside to such a degree that her quest for perfection became her poison. In the world of plus-size models, Anivia was at the top of her game. God was so good. I walked into Wilhelmina on an open call. I did the test shoot and I got signed. I was booking really good jobs. But the very thing that helped her get to the top soon became her downfall. In my quest to, to gain weight to become a plus size model, I started the butt injections. At the time, there weren't many options. You either go overseas or you get it done here. And I'm like, hey, everybody's alive, everybody's living. I want to look like that. So I went the cheap route. <laughs> 
In her pursuit of a modeling career, Anivia says she took part in the underground world of butt enhancement injections to get a plump, curvaceous behind. It looked amazing, and I just kept going. Just imagine not having eyesight, and someone tells you that they can fix your eyesight for such a cheap price. You start paying, and you start to see, so you just keep going back again and again and again. I see the way other people look at her. Many times I've heard people say, is it real? Go touch it, go touch it. Or, I want to tap that ass. (laughs) There it is. These women were injecting any and everything into their backsides Mm -hmm. to meet a standard. A very unhealthy standard. Now, this is nothing new. (laughs) We had this in the 80s. It was more white women with the large breast implants. Yep. And there was a movie called, I think, called Breast Men on uh, HBO where the uh, these guys were giving women, you know, triple G's and triple H's. And yep. it was just, I mean, you saw it was like it was body disfigurement. Uh, you would look at these women be like, what did you do to yourself? I mean, Dolly Parton was one of them, right? I mean, that was like the running joke of Oh, look, you know what I'm saying? Look how big, you know what I'm saying, her boobs are or whatever. And going back full circle to what you're talking about in rock videos, it was the same thing. It was it was cartoonish. Well, it, it also really became a... Um, I have uh, some expertise in this area. Uh, mm-hmm. Married three times. Uh, my uh, first and second wife, uh, definitely... Uh, I uh, had a front row seat to a lot of uh, different uh, cosmetic things, uh, and it's fashion driven. It, it, part part of it is is age, but a lot of things were fashion driven, and uh, the breasts in, the breasts out, too big needs to be smaller. Needs to, oh, now we have to go almost flat chested. Uh, it's almost identical to uh, Twiggy being the uh, the icon and the perfect woman in the sixties. To uh, well, uh, obviously, what we now see in in the two thousands, which could not be more polar opposite. So, and when I say fashion, that means it's driven by culture and by media and and mm-hmm. and, and all the factors that we constantly explore. And uh, oh yeah, now along with that comes. Uh, so here's what I've learned about um, plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always a couple of weeks of bruising. <laughs> that's what the doctor will say for no matter what procedure couple of days couple of weeks of bruising don't worry about it that's a lie uh and you need to you, you need to maintain it it's not a one and done there's 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 no johnson and johnson for this stuff it's like you, you gotta you gotta maintain it you gotta stay on it and with that you know since you're doing it anyway that's when culture moves you and changes you and you sometimes reduce instead of enhance i mean it's it's a it's a really crazy dynamic. And, and, and let me be clear. There's nuance to this conversation about plastic surgery. I understand a mother that has a couple of kids if she wants to get something tightened up or or you know saying or get her try to bring get her pre baby uh, body back. Fine, um, because I understand how beauty and for lack of a better word, vanity is important to women. Confidence, I mean, confidence, yeah, confidence is incredibly uh, important. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. What I'm saying is when it becomes cartoonish, when you have these in the eighties, you had these women 
who had looked like two basketballs. I mean, there were terrible. I mean, like terrible, terrible boob job. Pam Anderson uh, was was re- really big, and that was considered a standard. I would say with Baywatch. I'm talking about the ones on Skinamax. Did you no, like, I, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do to your body? Like that's yeah, not even hot. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? No, just, that was just that was just sick. It was sick people, and it became and then no. and it became funny at a certain point. The point I'm making is that we're here right now in that moment now, but it's not breasts, it's butts. Mm-hmm. And that's what was driving these women. When you look at them, it's like, that's not attractive. You're a sideshow. Mm-hmm. Hello, Hello, Sarah Bartman. Hot and tot. It's not about, it's not about all that's attractive. It's just that I got to look because it's uh, obscene, <laughs> you know, in, in a way. And these women, and I say this out of care, out of love, uh, because a bunch of women have died from this. Of These are not real doctors. These are women setting up and guys setting up shops and hotel rooms, and they're putting uh, actual, like, silicone from Lowe's, <laughs> like, to patch holes in your No, I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> no, I know it's true. I know it's true. I'm laughing, but yes, it's absolutely true. And it's so true that... This uh, the the lady is going to explain her experience with these uh, makeshift butt shots in the next clip. But in 2010, a Nivea made headline news. New Jersey model is accused of helping other women build a better body by giving them buttocks enhancing injections. She was indicted on charges of the unauthorized practice of medicine without a license. Now, the accusations that the media put out there were definitely not true. And this is my first time speaking out on it. I do not have a record. No, I did not go to jail. No, I was never arrested. And that's that. Anivia pled not guilty. The case was eventually dropped due to a technicality. Today, Anivia's problems stretch far beyond her legal issues. Now, my life is possibly in danger. All due to the fact that I wanted a larger buttocks. I remember exactly when my butt started hurting. I can remember specifically one of my first sharp pains. And all of a sudden, this nail or something just went straight through the middle of my right butt cheek. And it brought me down on my knees almost. So it's so confusing and it sounds crazy. But the, the reaction that I get from people, oh, you have such a great shape. Oh, I love I never had that before. And I don't want to lose that, but I don't want this butt to be so big. I have become someone that I never thought I would be. I'm 32 years old and I'm bitter. I'm angry, hurt, alone, no children. I don't know. Wow. You know, I picked up on a line in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what's that girl you look so amazing your body looks so mm-hmm. good this is instagram talk all day long it has nothing to do with men no all day long it girl, has no- girl you look so good you look so fine i love your curves and that's what feeds it it's the dopamine it's the it's the it's the you put but, it but, online. But, but women are lying. They're lying to each other. At a certain point, they're just lying. I know they're lying because uh, it's one thing to say. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, this is this is two dudes talking now. Mm-hmm. It's one. 
and I'm I'm just gonna be just as honest. Um, women around me are like, oh man, you know, Lizzo, she's great. She's putting it out there. And like, she's obese. She's obese. I'm sorry. She's, yes, I understand and body types and body shaming and, you know, whatever. But I, I don't think it's helpful to, to tell people who are obese that they're just beautiful and it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's because it, here, makes, here's the thing. <laughs> it makes your butt big, you know, it's like, no, it, it, and they're lying. It's like, you know, your butt's really, you could say this, your butt's really great, but, you know, you need to lose some pounds. Well, you can't say that or you get canceled. Exactly. And which enter enters uh, Mr. Kevin Samuels, but we're going to talk about him later. Uh, but he's got himself in a world of trouble by rating women um, by beauty standards. Right. And right. by doing that, he's made himself public enemy number one. Now, you can say what you want to about him. But just the, the bell curve distribution, everybody can't be eights, nines, and tens. No, you no. know, there has to be ones and twos, and there has to be, you know, the majority of falling in the middle of the bell curve, probably between fours and sevens. You know what I'm saying? And then you have the other end of the bell curve. But what you're saying is, and this is why math is racist. It's like, you know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why. No, seriously. Yes, I'm it's with It's the logical you. thinking is that we're all tens. Equity, baby. Because we tell each other Equity. we're all tens. Equity. And and what feeds to that, and I, 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 I said something, but let me clarify it. Men do play a role in it by being simps and liking these women photos on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's because you contribute to this <laughs> with these simp messages under their, you know, to to their own demise by thumbs upping and and supporting this behavior. But then you, and when you see them in public, you wouldn't, you know, take them seriously. You're sending them mismatched messages. So when men, real men stand up and say, you know what? Yeah. And if, to be honest with you, real men uh, like women of all shapes. And uh, it's, a, it's a flavor for each guy. You know, some guys sure. like sure. larger women. Some guys like petite women. You know, some like, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, a crowd or audience out there for each type. Uh, but what you need to be is healthy. And not only physically healthy, but mentally healthy where you love yourself. Uh, because that that resonates and that you can see that uh like you know, shine right through it with a person that actually love loves themselves, that's very attractive. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you love when you love yourself for who you are and what you do is one thing. And that can be and mm-hmm. that's super I mean, hey, you know, Billy Joel is talented. He got Christy Brinkley. I mean, you know, Bill Gates getting all kinds of tail. These are not the most attractive guys, but they're intelligent. They're interesting. They love themselves with women exactly the same. But when you love yourself for some fake aesthetic, that that can't end well. Well, they traded one man's love for the world's love. And that's the that's the bargain. That's the that's the Faustian deal they made. To say, you know what, I'm not satisfied with one man's love. And you know what uh, Sarah Bartman was portrayed to say by Tamika Allen. To say, you know, my husband loves what I have. Right. Uh, now is what does Instagram say about me? And Kanye right. said this, and it was like a punchline or whatever like that. And excuse my language, but he said, Instagram got your bitch. And what he was saying is, yep. she checks with Instagram before she checks with you. That's right. She's satisfied with Instagram before she's satisfied with you. 
and this is all this culture is built in by uh portraying women natural beauty or natural state with falsified you know um images of uh, i woke up like this that kind of thing when you know that picture's airbrushed and you have makeup on and it's been you know you have a filter and those kind of things your daughter of instagram your daughter of instagram She's a spectator. I mean, me and her had this conversation, and she's she's a spectator of social media. Okay. I think younger people are leaning more towards this, and I they're the silent they're the silent majority as well. What we see on Instagram is the minority. Uh, I I don't want to throw the you know just the, like paint well, no, with a wide I, I brush. Guess, I guess the point I was going to make was if you because I mm-hmm. I uh, I don't use Instagram. But uh, it doesn't matter which picture goes up. Uh, we tap on the filter. Let's um, just make just just a little rub of the the lines under the eyes on me. By the way, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, just whiten the teeth a little bit, and that's just normal. It's just normal now. So if that's the standard <laughs> yeah. of what we think humans look like, yeah, you're gonna be when we go out into the real world. Yeah, it's gonna suck. And and what happens is you need Viagra. That's what you need. <laughs> well, not only that, but what <laughs> what happens is I don't want to stretch this out too long. But what happens is when women get that um, support and you know adoration and 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 you no know, uh, uh, attention, you know, they think that's real. Yeah. And then when the guy sees them actually on the date. And it's not uh, the same kind of energy. Yeah, it, it crashes the market. It's like you hype this stock up, <laughs> you hyped it up, <laughs> and then the IPO comes. It's like, oh yeah. no, it's not performing like it needs to, and it, and it just tanks. And that's a real person we're talking about, and that, and that's why I do this. That's why I did this show. It, these unrealistic expectations. Women need to be set free from. The only people who can do it is real men stand up and say, you know what? We like real women. Uh, not these cartoon characters. And it's sad, like I said. And and the thing is, it's beautiful women that do it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the real, that's the, that's, that's the, the, that's the kicker, right? Yeah. That's like, I mean, like you were fine, like you were. Um, but yeah. But there is some science behind our obsession with big butts. So you might say to yourself, I like big butts and I cannot lie. But you might be wondering, why? Yeah, well, why Why do people feel like they need to lie about that? I don't know, we'll but I want to know why as a society we're so obsessed with big butts, mm-hmm. especially the big butts of some people like Kim Kardashian or mm-hmm. a Jen Stelter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, evolution might have the answer. So the curve, uh, you know, of your back and your, and your bum, uh-huh. uh, the curve would have enabled ancestral women to shift their center of mass back over their hips during pregnancy pregnancy a time during which there is a dramatic forward shift of their center of mass so basically balance. it would have been like a seesaw kind exactly of. <laughs> yeah um, exactly mm. consequently ancestral women who possess this degree of lumbar curvature would have been able to forge longer into pregnancy and would have been able to carry out multiple pregnancies with a reduced uh, risk of spinal injury just thinking about that is giving me lumbar <laughs> you know what i mean 
know. <laughs> now, evolutionary psychologists might have a different answer. So they say attractiveness is socially constructed, varying among human populations across the globe and across generations. Mm-hmm. And further, uh, men in the study were less attracted to larger rumps that resulted from fat, <coughs> Kim K, or excess muscle, <laughs> Jim Stelter. Uh, the men's reference had to yeah. do with spine curvature, but not butt size, which would seem to conflict with the notion that Kardashian's body is setting off some sort of uh, primeval sex bells. Or that that's the particular reason why it's setting off the sex bells. Huh. So that that means it's uh, uh, primal and built into our DNA. Yes. And I was a teenage boy once a time, <laughs> once a point of time ago, and you could spot a great butt. I don't care, like, you could be driving 60 miles an hour <laughs> down a <the> road. <laughs> yes. And out your peripheral, and this is, we're just being honest here, out yes. your peripheral, you, you see that curve? And this is, like I said, this is hardwired into our biology. Well, yes. For, and, right. So the white boy's version, uh, baby makes her blue jeans talk. Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Uh, Brooke Shields, nothing comes between me and my Jordashes. My Calvins, what was it? Um, yes, I would say the all-American white girl always had uh, the bikini out or the hot pants, uh, but not with a super, not with a supercharged, but with definitely, uh, yeah, of course, we see that. But, but we've like gone said, to an extreme here. We've gone to a whole nother level. It's science, though. It's just like with the golden ratio and beauty, right? It's si- it comes down to a, a science of symmetry and... <laughs> And, 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 and which, is, which is why you cannot have just a butt enhancement without breast enhancement, because then you you ruin the you ruin the Fibonacci uh, sequence. I think that that's exactly right. So I just want to point that out, and and I'll make this final point before we move on. There's a talking point in men's circles, men's right circles. You know, the manosphere, the black manosphere, wherever that women that wear clothes to work that accentuate this is a form of sexual harassment. I didn't come to work to be asked to, <laughs> to be tempted. I think, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's very distracting. Uh, I, I'm sure, I mean, no, you don't, you don't work, but I've been in work environments where people are like, why does she wear that? You know, uh, when you go to the grocery store, yoga pants and these kind of things it's like it's nothing it's like you're showing everything and what we're doing is we're abusing little boys and young men you can you can take it how you want to but it's biological and i don't think i don't feel this it is it's ways to be sexy without being or ways to be attractive without being you know going and getting into that you know uh gray area that's a again you know the how far this is uh this has progressed from my own history when christina was about eight and her mom would pick her up and her mom you know beautiful had uh, was always wearing uh what now today would be lululemons uh mm-hmm. you know and and but she kind of wore those all she's a she was a singer performer so she, that was kind of her attire anyway Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, now this was around the, uh, the, the, the first or second, uh, uh boob job, mm-hmm. uh, and she would pick up our daughter at school. And at a certain point, one of the moms came to our door and said, 
we really think you should dress less provocatively when you uh, come pick up Christina because, you know, the boys are seeing way too much. That is 20, <laughs> 20 years ago. And, and, you know, and of course, I uh, now I had a, a company with 700 employees. I ran the New York office with over 100. So I'm very familiar with with what and this was in the uh, in the 90s, mid 90s. So I'm very familiar with, you know, what you how people dress and, and, and what kind of impact that has. But just to go back to the Lululemons, I mean, today I went to the grocery store and you're right. I mean, that's 20 years ago. That was not done anywhere, let alone uh, out in public at like the supermarket. And and that's all that it is, Mo. You're abs- that I would say eight, well, it's Whole Foods, Whole Foods, eight out of mm-hmm. 10 women in Whole Foods are wearing, you know, uh, Lululemons. And then the way they're designed is, you know, to it, accentuate it, 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 with, the, it with, with the striping and the, oh yeah, yeah, every, totally. And, yeah. And it fries your brain. I mean, like, especially for a little boy, I mean, that, what am I seeing? I mean, like I said, I was a young man once and it's, you're already wired that way. And to, to push it, you know, to that extreme, you got to take in the fact that like the mother said, protect our little boys by having, you know what I'm saying? Doing something different. Mm-hmm. Not, but now they want to say little boys overcome your toxic masculinity. Right. There it is. What a, what a trap. And then they say, why are men so effeminate? It's like, hold on. <laughs> what do you expect? I, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm battling millions of years of evolution here, lady. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it's okay to sexualize or desexualize little boys. I mean, that that's that's the message that we're being sent. But yeah. Moving on. Uh, can we get a little uh, Leon uh, Lonnie Love, please? <laughs> understand that there's some people out there who need my services. Yes, are there any people out there who are weak? Yes. Yes. Any people out there who are weary? Yes. Any people out there who are tired? Yes. Yes. Any people out there who just need a heal? Yes. Yes. Y'all got cash. Yes. Well then come on down. <laughs> well we we need a little bit from y'all, and that means that uh, it's time to thank some more producers, the uh, second half here, uh, who supported the, today's episode, uh, episode 63, Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Complete value for value proposition. There's no uh, advertisers, no uh, no pharmaceutical ads, no creepy Chinese money, <laughs> no corporate money, nothing. When I say Chinese, I mean Chinese Communist Party, like the rest of mainstream media. No, we just ask you to... Think about what this uh, is worth to you and support it. And the more you support it, the more we can do. And there's a lot of plans. The main thing would be to do more of this show, but you know, it's life gets in the way. So support is important and we need to grow it. And please share these shows as well. Turn other people on to this. And if you're listening on a value for value app, boost us. Or as Mo would say, Splash, splash some sets. Splash some sets. And uh, where we left off was Lacey Romo, who supported us uh, for this show with 45 24, 45 for the Savage, 24 for his hopeful return. <laughs> hey, uh, you never know. You never know. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be tracking that. $40 from Clinton, who says, Great work, appreciate it. Then Sam Smock comes in with $36, says, Mo and Adam. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I've been so fascinated with the topics you discuss on the show, but I've never been able to find a source of information even so clo- even close to as good as the one you guys provide. I'm going back, listening to old episodes, and I probably missed it, but 
Did you know that Brianna Taylor's case is intertwined with an Opportunity Zone situation? I did not, but I'm looking to it now. You don't say. (laughs) Hello, The Wire Season 1. Hello, um... uh, His name evades me. Nipsey. Oh, yeah, Nipsey 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 Hussle, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Forgive me if this is already covered in the show. No, it hasn't. Um, But you heard it. We're on it. It's been both riveting and slightly traumatic to relive the 2020 timeline through old episodes of the show. Yeah, I can understand that. But it also is a record. Another interesting part of the story is the letters, which he attached, that were given to business owners of the hip, cool, gentrified part of town last summer. They were accompanied by a racial justice scorecard, much like the ones you see issued by the health department for restaurants. Again, forgive me if you've covered this, you will not be surprised when you learn who was behind these. (laughs) I'm sure. I'd love to provide boots on the ground information if I can, because I think Louisville plays a big role in what is going on out in the greater world as it relates to the topics you discussed. Not sure what I can offer, but I'm willing to help in any way possible. Thanks again, Sam. Sam, you're doing it, man. This is exactly what it is. Tell us what's going on. Boots on the ground and support us, and we appreciate it. Jonathan Ashcroft, uh, Magic 33, 33-33, says, Wow, once again, you blew my mind. Pink elephants on parade. Mo Karma, please. And we got some Mo Karma for you. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. And there's our buddy John Fletcher, uh, also 33-33. Your show has opened my eyes to so many perspectives and ideas that I would otherwise be blind to. Thank you so much for your courage and passion. Love and light from Fletcher. Anonymous J3333, amazing podcast, Mo. I'm also in Northern Virginia. God bless. Uh, We got to do a meetup. Dudge Gaskill, 3333, value for value, gentlemen. Great job. Doug Dodge, listen from the show, from show one. 3333, need to be de-deadbeated, Sir Doug of the Channel Islands. Bet. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. We thank Lewis Bragg for his $30. And Valerie Evering came in with two 2828 donations. So I I think that puts her back up in uh, associate yeah. executive yeah. producer land. So we'll make sure she's 56, credited. 56. Yeah, credited properly. Uh, first note, thank you for what you're doing. I love listening and learning. And then the second one, do you listen to the New York Times daily podcast called The Daily? Um, no. I have in the past, but no. The Tuesday, May 4th episode, Population Slowdown, was so weird, the interview sounded like an infomercial for population control, and they talked about population decline and women's decision decisions, but did, did not mention men once, as if men, <laughs> yeah, as if men don't raise children too. Also, immigration. <laughs> anyway, I love listening to you and Adam. You're both so informed and so good at sharing your analysis. Well... We may have to go back and listen to that one Tuesday, May 4th. Yeah, and this show has tinges of uh, depopulation in it. That's one of the goals of what they're doing here. Oh, totally. Well, th- this is what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the show, we're ta- yeah, the conversation this, yeah, we're having right we're now. We're having, has- oh, yes. Oh, totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. Um, and we, but we've been talking about this for a while in, in different mm-hmm. roundabout ways. Uh, Michael Myers, $25. Thanks, Mike. Robert Conti, thank you guys. Uh, keep up the great work, $25. Joshua Jackson, 2021, says thank you for the hard work on the show. Small request. I hear the term gaslighting in many places, including this podcast. I don't know exactly how to define it or understand the difference between gaslighting versus lying or deceiving. 
Can the MoFax podcast please provide a clear definition preferable with a clear example? Thank you in advance. Yeah, I'll, uh, gaslighting is basically lying on a continuous basis uh, with with something that uh, that is just not true and you tell someone over and over again that it is or vice versa instead of a lie. That's it, it wouldn't wouldn't one part part one part or just key point to part out is both party knows you're lying. Well, uh, the 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 party being lied to knows it's a lie, but then eventually just believes it because the lie comes so often. And if you look, yeah, that's what up, I'm saying. But yeah. they know it's not like they don't know it's a lie. It's like they know it's a lie, but uh, it's a form of mind uh, control. C C UFOs. Yes. <laughs> Done. That's it. That's your example right there. We're good to go. Uh, capital T. Uh, says that's Dutch for holy crap what an episode speechless since it's my birthday I just need a biscuit and can go back hold to on, hold being on. Wait, quiet wait, wait. again that's, 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 that's Dutch yeah the first sentence I'll put it into the Spanish translator and it came back what an episode really yeah, I didn't get the first part. That's why I put dot, dot. That's weird. That's, now that is weird. Huh. But even that second part, I don't see how the how the Spanish translator could have done that. I don't. I used Google Translate. I was like, what is he saying? And I figured it was like, I said, maybe Spanish. Man. I mean, I couldn't tell anything. And I saw, you know, uh, you know, the J's and the, you know, and I was like, okay, maybe yeah, well, so, Spanish. So, so the first two words, tearing tanches, is kind of like a, it's like an explanation, like a holy crap is what uh, it, it actually is. A, historically, it's a, it's a weird thing, tearing tanches, but it means holy crap. What an aflevering means what an episode. Yeah, Tanjay is translated as teeth. And I was like, that can't be teeth. <laughs> so That's yeah, exactly that's what weird. it is. Tanches is teeth. Wow. <laughs> it it must, it, you maybe you hit it, it must have recognized Dutch. There's no way it could have recognized I that said it in Spanish. Spanish, sir. I said it in Spanish. Those Google guys, man, you, you, know, you don't know what's going on behind <laughs> the like, scenes. We're smarter than you. <laughs> it's not Spanish. <laughs> All right, Capital T. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. All right, Raymond, thank you very much. <laughs> Chris Jerome, $20, the most important podcast in the universe. This is, he says, please D, deadbeat me. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And he says, next up on the list is a de-douching. Keep up the amazing work, Mo. Uh, you have blown the cobwebs from my eyes. Sincerely, Jerome. Uh, Abby Newbie, $20 in the morning, Mo and Adam. Gratitude for episode 62. Thank you. Louis Lombard, $20. God bless. Continue the information war with knowledge comes understanding and peace. I hear that. Paul E. Lovato, $20. Says, appreciate the infotainment. Susan, $20. Uh, two X's for episode 62, My Heart Aches for the Addicted. Yes, and Shannon Shelton, also uh, two X's, two tens for opening my eyes, thanks. Kevin Willis, $15. I'm now slightly less of a deadbeat. Ah, you are completely deadbeated. You're good. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Clay Cooper, one, two, three, four, as in $12.34. Value for value. Thanks for the thoughtful content, and we appreciate the return value, Clay. James Holly, always a pleasure. Keep the Mo Karma coming. We can do that for you. 
1033. You've got MoCom. Susan says episode 61 was the bomb and sends us 10 spot for that. Thanks, Timothy Poland. Uh, sent a link. Did you look at this Black Libertarians Matter? I did not, but I got it filed away. Okay. My, uh, watch later. It's in the system. Andrea, mm-hmm. $10. Awareness and understanding is half the battle. Maybe even more that it. Uh, Susan says, here's the next. Here's a 10 spot for you. Thank you very much. Andrea, again. So $20 combined for this show. Pink Elephant, just mm-hmm. when I thought, wow, greatness. <laughs> Michael Hanna, $10 with no note. Value for value for episode 62, says David Ackerman with $9. Vincent Farrell, $5.55. Keep them coming. Sam Smock, again, with $5.02. And a little add-on to my monthly with the note for the show. Thanks, Mo and Adam, for providing the tools to calmly and factually counter the nonstop nonsense. The last show illustrated perfectly how the M5M doesn't just tell you what to think. They tell you what to think about it and how to what to think about. There you go. To me, your show is about planting the right seeds in order for the next generation to grow. Much love. I hope so, man. Maui Goods, $5. Can move go nationwide and will Mumia ever be freed? Any idea who are the white people in the BLM move rallies? Are they paid to be fillers, actors, to look like a lot of people uh, when you're going to talk black? And Oh, and when are you going to talk black Israelites? Uh, that's coming soon. Okay. And I would say, um, I don't think you need to pay any, uh, any, there's plenty of people who will show up for that, but I guess we'll look into it. It's people getting paid in that group though. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I mean, not like to be place, place fillers, but like to be, uh, uh, headhunters. People getting to paid. Bring the, yeah, yeah. 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 To bring in the, in the fourth wave. Yep. A cult fan. 444. Mo and Adam, thank you as usual. I want to point listeners in the direction of J.P. Sears, a.k.a. Awaken with J.P., both his YouTube and podcast, awakenwithjp.com. And Terry, the uh, human subscription, uh, who is still waiting for us to, uh, and this is all coming, and this is on me now. Terry, the human subscription is waiting for a subscription service with PayPal from us and always comes with 411. We see you, Terry. Thank you. And winding it up with Martin Malone, uh, send us a two spot, no note, and we appreciate that. Everything is appreciated. All the value that you determine. This is real. This is a very real way of determining value. You determine it, not us, not Apple, not Google, not Netflix. No one going to tell not Spotify. Tell you this is what it's worth. No, it's what it's worth to you. And uh, this is the model of the future. This is how it's sustainable when uh, we are just exchanging value. And again, you can do that on newpodcastapps.com as well. And thank you, all these producers. uh, And of course, again, thanks to our executive and associate executive producers who we thanked earlier for producing episode 63 of MoFax with Adam Curry to support us for 64, which will be part two of this episode please go to mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com, or just our homepage, mofax.com. All right, so we're coming down <clears throat> coming down the home stretch, and the most disgusting part of uh, Maxine Waters' pandering is I'm sure she's aware of survival sex, which we talked about Ooh, since, a long like, time the ago. Eighth, <laughs> the eighth episode, yeah. uh, and this is a snippet of a clip that we use in there from tiffany graham and she kind of explains uh survival sex and how uh prevalent it is survival sex is an enormous issue too now 
what do we mean by survival sex? In principle, survival sex is part of the wider commercial sex trade. People who engage in survival sex do so because they literally have no other way to survive. So they exchange sex for money, they exchange sex for shelter, they exchange it for food, clothing, or any other good, which is a necessity of life. And that's why I find disgusting right there that it's people out here, a lot of people out here that actually have to use sex as a, you know, way to make the make money and their only way to make money. Uh, And I'm sure Maxine Waters is aware of that, knowing with her district and and the uh, known uh, sex area, the street workers in her uh, in her district. That's what I find the most disgusting. And the last handful of clips that we have here, I call them the tell of two diamonds because it's about two sex workers, both named Diamond, <laughs> uh, as we saw in Players Club and their journeys uh, throughout the sex work industry. There's a girl over here that just came into the game. She don't know nothing. She's scared and she got this tight pussy and she got these perky tits and and she's trying to figure this out for the first time and she and, and, and your man come around and be like baby I got some money for you can you give me an experience that I ain't never had he still love you though he appreciates you though he gonna give you the house the car the credit but he just he just a man he just a man alright diamond oh wait I ain't even ready I got the cup on and we'll drink it up okay like I got a little bit of shit what are you drinking um well I decided to try dark liquor because white liquor I don't know it's a bit not been agreeing with my stomach so I'm trying to say what you do. Do you drink pretty much every time you go to work? Oh, I have to. You have to. I have to because if I don't drink, I'm in there like, but it's like, how do I talk to people? Yeah. How do I interact? How do I do this? Because this is all new for me. Um, how long have you been doing this? It's going on three years and three years. It's so fairly new for you. It's a little different for me. My story is a lot different. How did you get into it? <laughs> I had to survive, baby. <laughs> that's, I had to survive. That's a common story. I had to survive. Mm. That's what survival sex looks like. Yep. That a woman has to trade her own, her last valuable thing to make a living. And you think a lot of pe- people didn't go on OnlyFans? And I say people, not only women. During the COVID uh, lockdowns mm-hmm. and exploit themselves on OnlyFans, that that boom is is not uh, is definitely tied to COVID. You're talking about people that wasn't getting any money, that you know, are are waiting on stimulus checks or whatever, and you're stuck in your house. What can you do? Cut the camera on. It's this diamond. You know, what I'm saying she was actually working the blade mm. uh, out on Figaro, but when you don't have anything else to sell and men do this too, but it's not, we don't sell our sex. We sell our back. <laughs> we sell our, you know, um, our physical strength. Yeah. It's like, you know, if nothing else, you're a mule. If you don't have anything else to offer, 
dig that ditch or carry this heavy load, that kind of thing. So it's it's similar in both cases. But that's why I found that's what disturbed me about what uh, Maxine Water did, because you're saying these people doing what they only could do is audacity. If these people, if these, uh, and I keep saying people, and I'm going to expose what I mean by WAP now. WAP does not stand for wet AP. It stands for we are people. <laughs> we are we are people, man. You you're selling people into slavery, and that's your number one talking point about in our race. And you're lining these women up to be another Sarah Bartman. And you're applauding them for doing it when you don't give them any opportunity when this country prints friggin' trillions and trillions of dollars. You have women feel like their only choice, I say feel, it may not be, but perception is reality. Yeah, I mean, the only ch- Maxine Waters' job should be to uh, obviously present all kinds of opportunities for it's. It's all just talking point, Mo. It's all done for political reasons. Uh, what they're doing with black men, how they're programming black women, homeless, allowing homelessness to run rampant. It's all for political purposes and power. It's disgusting. I mean, that's the bottom line of it. But now, when you break it down, it just shows the human tragedy is is very very deep. And it's been popularized and and seen as cute when it's on Instagram and other places. Right, because as I said in the last show with the drug addiction thing, if you have money, <laughs> you have resources, drugs is a small problem, right? I mean, you go, you can go to rehabs, $40,000 a week rehabs, get clean. Um, now, I mean, I'm not poo-pooing drug addiction. What I'm saying is far compounded when you don't have resources. It's the same thing with these women. Like, once you get into that life, it's so hard to get out because so many, you know, interactions happen and, you know, those kind of things. So it it just irks, it irks me to my soul having three daughters. Um, and, and, you know, numerous amount of other family members are women that a woman that stands up and says she's a supporter of women would celebrate a young girl and you know, young woman, excuse me, young woman and Magda Stallion that she has choices. She's going to college and you applaud her for selling her most valuable asset for what? Cheap thrills you know what I'm saying? and some money? Come on, man. And it, just, it just irks me. And it's, I guess we can get to the uh, part two of Diamond. You meet a guy for the first time. Okay, yeah, he's cool. He got money. I don't care about that. Me, you have to dismiss certain things when it comes to a man. You have to dismiss it. Like what? Okay, he got a big chain. Boom. He got a big rack. He's going to come in talking about some, baby, I got all these racks. I can give you this. I can give you that. I can put you on. I'll be like, okay, babe. That's cool. That's nice. Okay, great. Okay. I can give you $1,500 for the night. Pop it open. Let me see you. Okay. 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 You about to? Okay, babe. All right. I'm down. I'm cool. And then, all the time, the minute you start trying to fuck me raw, I devalue you. I devalue you because I'm going to stop you and say, oh, no, baby, let's use protection. And I don't care how drunk I am. One thing I'm going to make sure, I'm about my bread 
and I'm about my protection. But I really should say it this, I'm about my protection first. I'm about my protection first. It's about me because this is the money. So I gotta protect it because the same way a guy has eyes for me, he has eyes for the next, the next, the next, and all the nexes that he done collected, he finna put inside of me. And I don't wanna risk that. I ain't been out here like that, but I've never had an STD. I've never had an STD. And that's the other part of it. Never having an STD, that's because she entered the game as an adult. And let me make it clear. If you choose to do sex work and you enjoy it and, you know, you feel comfortable with your body and you do it as an adult, more power to you. Everybody should have in life to have a choice to do what they want to do in life. But that's, she's the anomaly. You heard her even say it herself that I, I, me entering the game at my, you know what I'm saying, she was referring to her age is not the normal uh, way this happens. And what frustrates me even more, and I, I can't squeeze this into this show or the next show, that with black women, our women, are the face of HIV and AIDS. Hmm. And you promote a song that pushes Pull Out Game is Weak, which is applying that you're having unprotected sex, and you just do it so flippantly. But every time I look at an AIDS commercial with these pharmaceutical companies, I see black women and black gay men at the face of AIDS and HIV. Yeah, that used to be called... Fauci, I'm coming for you, Fauci. I'm coming for you. I got you on the list, bro. Because that's some some bull crap y'all got going on. Oh, you know know that the next Pfizer is going to... uh, Now they're going to come out with a flu vaccine from... uh, Moderna, I'm sorry. And an Mm -hmm. HIV vaccine. Finally, it's here. They did it. Finally. Yeah, and they've been pushing this thing. And I said, I'm not going to go down the HIV rabbit hole. But not, not that today. Just, I mean, <laughs> not today. What you, yeah, what you're pushing, yeah, what you're pushing, it is sending a bunch of bad messages. And like I said, this diamond, the, the first diamond is the, is the is the anomaly. The second diamond here is 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 the you know prototypical entry into prostitution and sex work. All right, diamond. Hello. Hi, diamond. Uh, where, where, where'd you grow up, diamond? Um, I grew up like in between like um like thirtieth, thirty-fourth Street and King and um I also like stayed in like the Vermont Knowles area. Okay. So now you're in South Central? Yes. I'm you back in the Vermont Knowles area. Yeah. And uh tell me about your childhood. You had both your parents? Um no, my dad he was incarcerated for eight years. He went to jail when I was eight years old. And um he got out when I was sixteen. Well, as a kid, I think like I was the youngest child, and and um, I was very active. I think I was, I'm my mom's problem child. A lot of the people say I'm different, and you know. So as a kid, I was growing up. I was I went to a um, residential home in Utah. I was put away because like I was like 12, 11. I started running the streets. I started like game banging, hanging out, doing drugs, and, and I started surrounded myself with people that didn't really didn't have my best interest and then I I, I just developed like a, a lifestyle something a habit and it's just something that I've just been doing ever since what age did it start um I mean like when it comes to me acting out and stuff you know I was always put away I probably was like eight acting out but like when I started running away I was like 10 11 and you started working the streets at what age 
Um, eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Mm. My second oldest daughter's eleven. This is this. Yeah. And you, like I said, they look at these women like Cardi B and, and, and Megan Thee Stallion and get, receive some kind of empowerment from them. It's like they're speaking for us. You know, you know, they, ident- they identify with us, but they don't. And, and, and you, and I rung my bell because this, this foster care system, it's a lot of great foster parents out there. Oh, there's, but there's, there's a feeder there's, system. Yeah, there's real problems. <laughs> There's a feeder system to the streets. Like they say, the prison, the pipeline, uh, prison, the school pipeline. There, there's a definitely of a, a foster home to, to the blade pipeline. And when I say the blade, I'm talking about the stroll. Mm-hmm. 11 years old when she started turning tricks. Or started, you know what I'm saying, redoing sex work. When, uh, when was this interview done? Do you know? This was done, I think, in 2019 or 2018. Mm, okay. This is soft white underbelly if people want to check it out. Both of these are in there. And what he's doing is telling these people's story, allowing them to tell it themselves. This is the same one I got from um, uh, from the guy that got hooked on heroin and fentanyl oh, yeah. last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want these people to tell their story. Not Mo come up here and tell their story for them. I want people to hear what goes on out here. And how they just commoditize these people. I'm very frustrated. So you please go to 44. I, I was always lying about my age. Everywhere I went. I went to jail with my cousin one time. And he was like, dang, you know, now that I think about it, you've been 18 for three years now, you know. <laughs> but so, yeah. so you were working as a prostitute on Figueroa? Yes, at, yes, yes. At I, 11? No, not at 11. That's the first time I turned my date. First time you turned a date was yes. at what age? Because um, I stayed like on 51st and Fig, so you know, on my way to school, I went to 51st. On my way to school, I, I, I was walking down the one way and this truck driver, I was like 12, maybe 11. 11 or 12? Yes. So that's like what grade? That's probably six, seven. Sixth grade, something like that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you remember that first time? Yes. What was it? Was that the first time you had had sex? No, it wasn't. No. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't, um, I wasn't really having sex then, but I had, did a sexual favor for the man. Oh, I see. Okay. Was there any abuse or anything like that in your childhood when you were younger? Um, yes. I was touched by a cousin of mine's. And I never really told because, like, I was made out to be the promiscuous one or, you know, I never really said anything. And then, like... I done put myself in situations to where I was, I was very vulnerable to men, and I feel like, like it's rape. You know, it's rape when you don't want to have to do something, but somebody making you feel like it because you're uncomfortable. I've been put in a lot of those situations, you know. In Figueroa, what she's talking about is in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't know if it's in her district, but it's in her backyard. If it's not in Maxine Waters' district, but I believe it is. That, it doesn't matter. I mean, your point is clear. <laughs> Whether it's in, Maxine Waters District is a mess. Everyone knows it. But, yeah, but what I'm saying is, you yeah, say you're the, a black that, woman. No, I know. I understand, I understand your point is that she's, she isn't, well, you know what? Actually, it fits. She's sitting there talking to Megan the Stallion about, hey, this is great that you're doing this WAP stuff. 
And she thinks it's great because that's what she's got going on around her. She sees all kinds of empowered young women on Figaro. The woman is delusional. She's an idiot. She's nuts. And you know what? I, I don't even, I'm not going to let off the hook like that because I'm going to say one thing and I'm, we're going to get through these last two clips. We saw the same thing when Barack Obama was in office and Oprah did a special on the uh, girls working D.C. And it was little black girls. I'm talking, when I say little black girls, I mean that literally like this, 11, 12, 13, they could barely walk in heels. That was in the shadows of the White House. And nothing was done. But then Michelle Obama comes out and said, bring our girls back for Boko Haram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there was people, Americans of all uh, backgrounds were saying, what? Hello. Hold on a second. How about our girls here? But nothing to the extent of what, of what we're discussing here. When you really think about it and how cynical and how lame it is to be focused on that when this is going on. A stone's throw from the White House. Yeah, it's, it's very, right. very disappointing. You can see it. And I mean, like you see a little girl that could barely walk in heels going up and down the street, yeah. right in the shadows of the White House. And, that, and that's that's when I knew. I was like, the fix is in. Mm. But let's go ahead and go to 45. No. Have you been roughed up and had bad experiences with some of the customers? Yes, I have. I've been cheated and it, it fucking sucks. That's why I don't like like working the streets. I rather work the web. Yeah, so you do it through calls web. and... yeah. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you still encounter guys that are problems, that are trouble? I mean, not so much. Like, there's just, you more have to watch out for the feds, you know? Oh. So it's almost the same game, just you're doing it online instead of on the street? Yes. And I came from my residential home um, in Utah. And um, ever since then, I, I've just been running the streets, like, like you know? It just become a way to I don't see myself doing nothing else sometimes. Did you finish high school? Almost. Almost. How much money do you make in a night or in a day? It depends, like, because, you know, I spend it as I go, you know? Yeah. So it depends. Like, I'll be touching, like, man, I'll be touching, like, on a slow day, like, maybe, like, 600, 700. On a good day, maybe... It depends. It varies. It really varies. Does your family know you do this? I try not to tell them, but I know they have a good idea. She don't have audacity. (laughs) Oh, God. What I mean by that is she's human. She knows this is something not to be proud of. Right. I'm doing this to survive. I've been in these streets since 11 years old. And then, like, this is the only thing I know. And this is what you're peddling. <laughs> you should hear some of these lyrics these young girls sing on these radio stations that are played on in, throughout the day, middle of the day. And the reason why it's so pervasive is it's free entertainment. And if you don't have anything, the radio, <laughs> that's what the, I want people to understand. The radio in the black community is it's free so if you don't have any, any other source of entertainment, you're going to cut the radio on. And they're steady pumping, pumping, pumping. I do this for money. I do this for money. I do that for money. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I pop it open for money. 
and you hear little girls hear this and no context, no guidance for any males or, or, or anybody else, role models in their life. And they think this is normal. And it's not just black girls, Mo. The white girls course, are right they, they, there. I They're always right say there. it yep. starts with us. Yep. Now, guess what? Your little girls might not be on the stroll. But that TikTok is a stroll. Oh, TikTok. Yep, yeah, exactly. Who's in their DMs? Yeah. Who's sending them cash apps? Who's sending them tender pizzas? ETH. ETH, man. The sending ETH. It's a new you thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a new thing. And, and t- tender pizzas, tender pizza could have a whole nother connotation to it. <laughs> oh, shoot. Let's just keep it one. honest here. That's right. <laughs> Let's just keep it honest here. Shoot. Crazy. Let's move on to 46. Does it get you down sometimes? Do you get depressed sometimes? Yes. 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 Yes, because I just, I just be wanting to have someone, you know, to talk to, but... I'm fine to get along with the voices in my head now because, um, like, it's hard to explain somebody your lifestyle or, like, what you think. Or, I don't know, like, just what I be going through, it's hard to explain that to somebody and not get the, not saying I want to hear a certain answer, but it's always, like, criticism coming along, you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. But I, I'm not trying to have no pity party for myself, but people don't know until they really come here, you know? Like, you just get treated different. What's the hardest part of, of doing this for a living? Once you start, you can't stop. And no matter how you, um, no matter how you try to play it out, you will always come across something. It's like it's like a, 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 a not like it's like it's like a sin on you or something. Wherever you go, like it's just gonna always follow you. It's like an addiction. Yes. What do you think the mis- most misunderstood thing is? about that other people don't quite understand what what goes on for you guys uh, well because a lot of when it comes from the women stereotypically me you know I'm the skill um, I'll say it's because there is probably their men that be paying for it and they, they like to like make that down because the way we dress or you know it's but you know that's the business that's what sells you know <laughs> And she says, I'm going to wrap up on this because that was the last clip. She says, one, I'm dealing with the voices in my head. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of dissociation that has to happen to deal with that trauma over and over and over again. And you're talking about $600 on a slow day. Mm -hmm. Let's just say $40 a pop. I mean, you ain't you ain't getting rich. That's fifteen times a day on a slow day. And then she says, "What I have? It's like I have a scent on me, baby girl. That's called a stain. You have a stain on you." And women shame her. She didn't say men. Women shame her. And you know what? If Melania Trump could be shamed for her sex work past, anybody could be shamed for it. You you never shake that shame. You never shake that scent or stain from being a sex worker. I don't care what society says. Because look what these liberal, feminist, so-called women did to her. 
And like I said, I'm not taking up for her. I'm just saying, as pointing it out as an illustration to say, was she a sex worker? Was she new taking nude pictures? Was she, you're saying, was she a hoe or whatever like this? So if you could do that to a first lady, a 11-year-old prostitute to start working at 11 years old, this dealing with mental issues, of course, mental issues come with, you know, like real work with the homeless. Mental issues come with what? Self-medication. Oh, yeah, drugs, of course. Makes the prime candidate for heroin until you can't afford it no more in the fentanyl. And now we're in the same trap. But also, um, it becomes their community. It becomes their community on the street. That's right. Which is why it's, it's much more palatable to do it. You have your community. You have your, uh, you have what keeps you going. <sighs> yeah, Mo, you, you've completely bummed me out. I appreciate that. That's... No, I mean, I got, sometimes we got to have these conversations. Hey, man, but I, you know what? I got, I got women around me too. I got two stepdaughters. I got a daughter. I grew up with women. I, I, I hear you on all these points. And it's and then the thing is, they like, say we're the bad guy for wanting to protect them. That's the that's the that's the most <laughs> that's the sickest part about it. It's like you know that guy over there is trying to protect you from the streets. Yeah, he's your he's your enemy. Well, I hope that we're coming to a point, and I and I I feel these changes with you too. Of course, I don't really know you in your in your regular work life, mm-hmm. uh, but I have the same, and and I think COVID helped a lot with that. Now, I'm always outspoken on the podcast, which is easy, you know, but I don't walk around town going, hey, y'all, bunch of idiots. Um, but I'm getting better at it, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. definitely getting better at saying, no, 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 no. I'm just going to counter what you're saying. Not, not just I don't disagree, but, you know, let me just, let me just give you my view on this, and, I, and I'm not going to go along with this bull crap anymore. I was just going to say, at the same time, Let's not dehumanize people like the second diamond or the first diamond or no. any of these girls, even Meg the Stallion. Let's not dehumanize them because they think they're doing the only thing they're going to be valued for. That's that's the real mind screw. No, no what we're ta- that- what we're talking about here and the things we're pointing out will benefit all women. <laughs> And and it and it pertains to all of them, and and the, and the thing is, it, it's so cynical to talk up on one end and punch down on the other for the same damn thing, almost. And and, and I, I'll wrap on this last part right here. And the women that really are being shamed are the ones that agree with us because they're the female equivalent of a coon. If they say something against feminism, you see how they do. Um, uh, now I don't agree with everything she says, but uh, Candace Owens. Oh yeah, when she says this doesn't make sense, they dehumanize her. You know what I'm saying? As a the white funky for men, the white man's wench. I think he once said bed, bed wench. Bed and that's wench. the thing about it, like bed that's wench. the sick part about it is. Right away. They want you to be a whore. Um, Sarah right. Bartman. Yeah, right away, you're a whore. <laughs> but you accuse her as, as a bed wench. It's, yeah. Even if she, even if you think she's peddling her influence, you should have the same respect for her as you have for these women that's peddling their goods. So it doesn't make any logical sense. Mo, I I really enjoyed uh, this episode. I learned a lot of new things. Uh, I can totally feel where it's going in episode two. As everyone knows, I don't look at any of the clips. I'm not a, not a part mm-hmm. of the preparation. So we're fresh and we're open and we're honest. Uh, I'm excited about part two. I can't wait to put it together with you. And I'll see you and the rest of the uh, producers in part two. And as I always say, pay attention to everything 
and the truth will reveal itself. Remember us at MoFax.com. We will see you very soon for part two. Mo, take care, my friend. All right, Adam, you take care. See everybody. Bye-bye. Diamonds are forever. They are